What's up, everyone? Today on the podcast, I'm going deep with my friend Natalie Gonzalez Hills. Natalie is a mixed martial artist and boxer fighting out a Boon Choon gym on the Gold Coast under former 10 times world champ John Wayne Parr. She was formally signed to one championship in MMA and is a two time national Muay Thai champion. Nat is about to fight for the Australasian Super Flyweight Boxing title on the Gallimverse ALI undercard on December 10th. On the podcast, we spoke about her journey, first finding martial arts after several traumatic experiences, starting out as confidence building and self-defense, then turning into competing, getting signed early on, fighting and training all over the world, including world-renowned gym in the US, Jackson's MMA, her experiences at UFC legend Donald Cowboy Cerrone's BMF ranch, also her current switch from MMA to boxing, and the different approach and training that has followed. Please welcome the tenacious Natalie Gonzalez-Hills. You're now about to go deep with Dan Good. Natalie Gonzalez-Hills. Hello. <laughs> AKA the Kilipino, right? Uh, that was my MMA name. Oh, was it? And then for um, Muay Thai, now it's Nat Thrills Hills. But... Nat Thrills Hills. So that's your Instagram handle, right? Yeah. There you go, guys, straight off the bat. <laughs> Nat will be fine. That's fine? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I, started, I honestly didn't even think you were Filipino. I didn't know. Oh, no. Well, we only met yeah. once in an audition yeah. and we got paired up together. That was hilarious. Yes. Yeah. It was your first... First in-person audition, was it? Yeah. What I like slash hate most about that is that you asked me straight afterwards, was that your first audition? <laughs> Which probably is why I didn't get a call back. But Hey, yeah. I didn't get a call back either. So uh, and that okay. definitely wasn't my first. Yeah. Well, that, that makes me feel a little bit better. Thanks yeah. for that. Uh, it was more, I think uh, you were curious and you asked questions. That's why I knew straight away. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, this is your first, you know, few auditions, a little green. like Yeah, for sure. It's a, it's a, a lot of green. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, what was funny about that is um, I, when you're new to the industry and I was like such a tryhard when you get like, you know, the interview details through, I was like looking, reading into the character, oh, it says Spanish. So I've dressed up, tried to look a little bit Spanish yeah. and I've worn this top that was um, just off the shoulder. And the first time I've gone in, they do the full length and then they shoot, you know, your headshot. Yeah. And the guy... Um, this is a massive like learning curve. He's sort of like, what do you see? Show me the image back. And I was like, well, it's pretty bright. And he's like, you look naked. <laughs> I was like, sorry. And he's like, well, they're going to ask me where your clothes are. Like we're shooting from here and it doesn't look like you're wearing clothes. Yeah. He's like, just for next time, make sure you wear, you know, a t-shirt or something. Yeah. I was like, okay, note taken. That's funny. Yeah. I think it was Joey Vieira. Yeah. 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 So yeah. yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. I didn't even first. think of that until you mentioned it before we started. I was yeah. like, yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah. I mean, you, you do have to watch your wardrobe. Like yeah. they say, don't wear stripes is like the number True. one thing because it blurs the camera and things like yeah. that. Um, but yeah, that's a new one. I mean, I guess as guys, we don't wear halter tops unless we're playing some sort of uh, interesting role. So yeah. 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 That's funny. But yeah. No, you did good. You did a good job. You we, did too. I oh, well, we we did miming, right. yeah. we're miming gardening. That's kind of a bizarre it was thing to very do. Bizarre, yeah. Yeah. But so I think I knew because I, I tried to do something like ad lib like in the last take we did like play along with you and you're like didn't, you, didn't really notice what <laughs> I, I was doing and it just like... looked hilarious <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah, that was funny. But I think that might have actually been why I asked if it was your first time. Yeah. Oh. But that's weird. That That's so strange to do when you're miming away like that. It just feels so unrealistic. Yeah. Obviously, you're an actor, so you got to try and yeah. do these things. But um, it just feels weird doing those auditions. I know without yeah. any props or without anything to actually do. Yeah. It's a strange scenario. And that, they'll try and throw you curveballs and just throw you off completely, like with what you're doing. You're like, well, aren't we doing this? Uh, you know, yeah. like flight attendant commercial and you're trying to tell me to do gardening. You're like, uh, yeah. how does this work? Like, yeah, yeah, that it was bizarre. And I've had such weirder calls since then. Um, but yeah, that was it. And then the, the storylines they give you too, they're like, just pretend to be gardening and you know, your, your, your imaginary child is chasing a bee and you're like, do I look for the child? Like, <laughs> do I look for the bees? Do do I, I, what's the background here? Yeah, exactly. You just try and create content. They're like, that's enough. We don't need that. Yeah, we don't, we don't need any more. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So you're in fight camp right now? I am. So I'm pretty excited because, um, well, since COVID, anyone that's been competing, performing, working, um, you know, has had a lot of changes thrown at them just yeah. because of the <laughs> the climate that we're currently yeah. in, right? But um, the my career this year has kind of taken a massive change mm -hmm. um, and I've got into boxing and that wasn't planned at all. Yeah. And so I'm excited because I have a rematch um, and it's in three weeks. So oh, wow. yeah, it's uh, the first fight was um, on the Tim Zoo undercard back in June, I think it was. Yeah. And I was given 12 days notice because there was a girl from New Zealand who was meant to fight um, yeah. for the Australasian title and she couldn't get in because of COVID or, or something had happened. And so they asked me to step in on 12 days notice. I never boxed before yeah. and it went six rounds and it was a split decision, but it's very controversial yes. because there were some articles online and some people that I spoke to, obviously not to have an echo chamber, but people I spoke to think I won. Yeah. Um, and the articles online, I've had some really good feedback. People, you know, saying it was more on my side of things. Yeah. I would say five rounds to one out of six. But um, yeah, got a chance to actually take the belt home this time. So in three weeks, I'll be fighting in Newcastle on the Gallon undercard. Oh, um, so you get a big pay-per-view. Yeah. Well, I don't know if if it'll be on the, the, the pay-per-view might just be for the main. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, I'd be happy to be fighting to have a second chance at the Australasian title. That's amazing. On my second boxing fight. So it's a pretty big opportunity. <laughs> That's what I thought. Like, obviously yeah. I, I'd followed you a bit and saw that, you know, you're into a lot of Muay Thai and you've done yeah. MMA before, and then you were just thrown in the ring to boxing. I was like, Oh, this is interesting. And yeah, yeah. I was like Australian title. What the? Australasian. Australasian. Okay. Yeah. So that's Australian and New Zealand. Right. And yeah, there's some, I was like Australian. Australian. Australian Asian <laughs> like whatever I'll, tell, I'll take it all mm. no um yeah it's uh it's a just a crazy opportunity that's yeah. come up and yeah I've just decided to take it and to have a rematch is amazing yeah so, that's really good and yeah. like you said it was a very close fight before I've watched uh some of the footage that's going around of it and I definitely as I said to you on Instagram right I, yeah. I feel like uh you were really getting the better of her and you're getting a lot of really good strikes and yeah um and I was I was surprised at the result but um mm. these things I mean like they say it's the same in any uh mixed martial art or any fighting really if you want to beat the champ, you got to really take it away from the champ, right? On the scorecard sometimes, but so it's vacant. It was um, oh, vacant, so, so oh, she right didn't. Her. She hasn't doesn't hold it, oh, so okay. she, she was fighting for it for the first time. Okay, but what was explained to me, and so being a Muay Thai fighter, there's so much that I couldn't fully 
in corporate or work on 12 days notice, but obviously having a full camp, I should hopefully look and be more like a boxer this time. Yeah. But the thing that it was explained to me from the boxing community and the refs and things is that they thought my punches were landing on the gloves. So she was yeah, okay. given a lot of score scores um, for her defense. Yeah. So even though I had high volume and I mean, I had bruised knuckles, I know they were getting yeah, there through. There was a lot of power <laughs> shots in there that I saw anyway. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. But um, yeah, so to not give them any chance to say otherwise, I've had to work on, you know, my boxing skills yeah. over the the past, uh, you know, seven weeks or whatever. I've had a lot more notice this time, although yeah. I've only just been able to announce it. Um, yeah, so with a full camp, I hopefully look like, like a different fighter. And, yeah, just make sure that those punches get through her guard. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. we're working a lot more on um, your footwork and your head movement as well, like technique-wise yeah. to sort of throw her off a little bit in that regard. Because what I saw, you were going straight for her, right? Like attack, yeah. attack, attack, when you were actually – you know, swinging at her, right? And you're like, oh, wow, you can see that you fight in a different discipline as well, the way the it's style yeah, and the volume, yeah. Yeah, Muay Thai is like that. Yeah. So, I mean, I fought MMA um, and you've got such a variety of ways the fight can go. And um, I'm a purple belt in jiu-jitsu. So, yeah. you know, you might go to the ground, you can stand up, do whatever. But with Muay Thai, I think I've had, well, I have had more success in Muay Thai because for me, I don't have to overthink it. It's just my my style is a four, is as a forward fighter is very aggressive. Yeah. And so I just keep coming forward. So it's very natural for me to do that. Yeah. So when I went into boxing, obviously I'm going to stalk her down and throw as many punches at her as I can. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this time around, I have definitely been working on my footwork and yeah. head movement and yeah. not being so, although, you know, it did well, did serve me well last time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You just, still get points on the card. I mean, you got to score to have scoring shots, right? Unless you're a full yeah. blown like knockout puncher, like you know someone like Dante Wilder or whatever that relies <laughs> yeah. on that right hand. Mm. Um, that's sort of a fight style that you need to win those fights, obviously to go to the cards, right? Yeah. You wouldn't like to, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's the way it goes. Yeah. Well, I've tried to do everything right this time, um, and I'm working with a sports scientist. Yeah. Um, so, Dr. Luke uh, Val. I would probably pronounce his name wrong. It's Italian. I'm just um, not, I'm going to skip over it. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've been doing lots of testing and I've, um, yeah, been just trying to make sure I cover all aspects of the game. So I've been working on my strength. You know, I've got amazing coaches in John Wayne Parr and Angie Parr um, at Boonshu Gym. Um, and yeah, just covering everything, making sure that I really focus on the recovery side of things too. Yeah. So I have really, really bad sleep. Um, okay. have insomnia. So oh, no. That's yeah. Ideal. yeah. Yeah. As an athlete, you're at a massive disadvantage if you have less than eight hours of sleep. Yeah. Study show. Yeah. Um, and I get like four or five a night. Yeah. That's not great. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. Six is like kind of a vital amount, but anything seven to eight is, is yeah. optimal, right? I have to try and catch up on the weekend. Yeah. So it's pretty full on. Are but, you um, like wearing some sort of device to measure your heart rate and all that sort of thing? Or like where you yeah. get your quality sleep in? So I wear a Garmin now so that I yeah. can work out how many times I get up in the night and just see what, you know, how long I'm led down and how many times I get up, like yeah. what my uninterrupted sleep is like if I if I do have that. And I can't have uninterrupted sleep without it being medicated. Like I've, oh, I, no, as yeah. a kid, I tried medications. They never worked. Yeah. And so as an adult, I don't bother, but sometimes when it's really bad, I'll try herbal things. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, somebody <laughs> gave me some antihistamines the other day or something over the counter. Yeah. And I was out for like 
seven hours, but that you feel so groggy the next day. And I was great for really, your really training. Yeah. No, I'd have to leave it because I have clients really early too. So yeah. I have to save that stuff for the weekend if I'm going to try something new like that. <laughs> knock yourself out. Yeah, if I'm going to knock myself out, it's going to be the weekend. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so. wow. So, yeah, like, I mean, natural, like, um, ashwagandha and things like that um can sometimes have you tried like the, the herbal stuff i've had it's like valerian root yeah, um good, chamomile yeah. Yeah. there's another one the name escapes me but just all the sleepy blends i've yeah. tried everything yeah yeah um i mean you could look at uh like i get cbd you sort of do you take any of that for a recovery and things like inflammation and so i tried it for the first time the other day yeah i had an oil and it tasted so gross. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're meant to use the droplets, the, well, the dropper. I and have capsules. Like I, oh, maybe I can that's show better. you, yeah, like after um, that I get I get them in from America. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, I get popped instead. I'm like, what yeah, was well, this? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you have to watch that. Um, yeah. I mean, I get it from a legit place online. Obviously, over there it's um, all, you know, regulated and everything like yeah. that. But um technically speaking i don't think i'm supposed to be able to get it in the country but it comes in all the time um i wonder if we should have a jar for this conversation i think i've done this about three times yeah, already yeah. so, so you got me <laughs> yeah. going now yeah. um but no it's great stuff especially for inflammation and injuries and stuff like that and recovery but they also they have so many different blends like um with melatonin as well so oh, I, yeah. you, that was that what you were trying I was to trying I, remember. it was alluding me as well yeah. until i said cbd yeah got my mind on track but um yeah they have blends like that with um you know, relaxation blends and things like that and CBD mm. isolate, which is just full spectrum CBD, um, things like that, that help you sleep as well, like added with melatonin and things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've got actually, uh, melatonin, uh, you can get melatonin tablets as well. Like, is that what you've tried? Yeah. Or? I've had just the, her, like the melatonin tablets and I've had a blend, yeah, like a sleepy okay. blend Yeah, and it did work. But it kind of, what seems to happen is it was really well the first night and the yeah, second, not so much. And yeah. then it's like a placebo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, felt, I mean, yeah, someone gave them to me. I think they got it online too, because technically it's a little harder to get, I think still. I don't, I don't, I'm not really sure, but yeah. I haven't tried. But yeah, I didn't really, I mean, I thought it was okay. It did something, but it's still like, it's obviously not as bad as um, like sleeping pills and things like that. The heavier sort of um, yeah. with that grogginess the next day. There was a little bit there for maybe an hour or two. Um, on the melatonin stuff, I felt still. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's 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 a weird thing, isn't it? To try and get. I don't have. I don't think I have insomnia exactly, but I don't always sleep the greatest either. So that's why I was trying certain things at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's because um, I've got a hectic schedule. Unfortunately, I don't have the luxury of being a full time fighter. Yeah. So I have days, a couple of days where I'm working in an office, and then I have other days where I'm working from home for myself. Yeah. But I always have to train at least twice a day. So I'm either training, I normally wake up and either train myself or train clients. Then I have my own session. If I've got a home day, I'll try and have a nap in the day. Yeah. Um, but normally it's one of those things where like you lay down for like, X amount of time and just as you're feeling sleepy is when you've got to get up. Yeah. So it doesn't quite work. I know that feeling all too yeah. well. Yeah. And then um I train in the afternoon. We have a fighters class, which is a run, all our skills development, um, you know, pads and that kind of thing. Um, and then yeah, home and sleep and rest and pretty monotonous <laughs> yeah um during fight camp yeah, same thing i mean you have to be right to get yeah. that recovery and get the full yeah. optimum training and yeah yeah so that's that's awesome that you've actually got a camp this time for this fight uh, yeah yeah who's the young lady that you're fighting so it's her name's lynn sandstrom okay and yeah she's pure boxer um got 
a she's from got a good boxing coach in Sydney. Yeah. I haven't really paid, um, not in a disrespectful way, but much attention to her. That's fine. Yeah, um, yeah. But coming from another discipline. Um, you know, fight's a fight. And um, we took it the first time just going in, just thinking, I'll just train, you know, be as prepared as I can be in 12, with 12 days notice. Yeah. And I think we did really well. And so I was stoked when I got the rematch. And this time, you know, I'm not f- watching what she's doing. I'm not following her yeah. on any social pages because my team will I trust in my training, my team, yeah. they're helping me get ready. Yeah. I've got to take care of all the recovery stuff and the other stuff. Yeah. Like I said, had the sports scientist help me with my strength programming and all the other um, things like, you know, we're measuring punch power, um, monitoring my nutrition, monitoring my sleep and everything. Um, so, I've, yeah, I think I'll be a different fighter going into yeah, this one. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so when you say, uh, yeah, because you've obviously got a high output as a fighter mm. and I've watched some of your other fights, the MMA, obviously that yeah. works quite well as well. Um is that something, so you focused on those power punches, is that something you've ho- like focused on sort of holding back a little bit to get more power punches in or you still think the volume sort of style is the way to get points obviously in boxing as well and so, wear your opponent yeah. down but it also wears you down at the same time? It's a, it's a dip. my fight style is the same in essence but it's changed a lot. So I guess when, um, when I was fighting MMA, I was based in Sydney and I went to America to do training and my style was, I guess it was more flashy. Like I would try lots of different things. Um, Spinning back fists. I've seen a couple of those. Yes. It was (laughs) spinning back kicks and it was all a bit crazy. And then when I went to Muay Thai, it was like being brought down to like, you know, um, just square one again. And they really taught me to drop all this, all the fancy stuff and just basics, basic basics. And so and since I've been training with the PARS and, you know, John Wayne's had like hundreds of fights and a lot of KOs um, and, you know, his wife, Angie, who's what, you know, really close, a friend of mine and trainer, um, their style is basically to be as fit as possible and to hit as hard as possible. And yeah. they really focus on basics. It, and then when you've got those down, obviously you throw the exciting stuff when you're winning and everything else. Yeah, yeah. But since training with them, I know for a fact that my power's definitely developed. Okay, that's but, good, yeah as uh, my challenge as a fighter is my composure. And so I do have this tendency to fight like I see red. And I often compare myself, I probably should stop doing this, but um, that scene in Waterboy when he gets super angry and he's like H2O and does a rugby tackle. And he's just like, that's when I lose it. And so sometimes after fights, I've not remembered anything. And I've just been like- Because you've just blanked out and been in the zone. yeah. Yeah. And so the hardest thing, for me to do and what I've been working on the most, especially the more fights you have, the more comfortable you are. Mm. And I've now had eight MMA, 19 Muay Thai and one boxing fight. So 28 fights. Yeah. Um, I had a couple interclubs before I left England, but I've never actually fought in England since, you know, so I left England, traveled, had all you know, all the experience I just talked about. Um you know, it's starting, oh, it's such a long journey, but yeah, starting to get more composed, but it's taken a very long time. Yeah. And I got signed early. So I was like learning on the job. Um, so now my style, I want it to be composed and to pick those shots and be heavy, but I still have that like rugged, my style of fighting is just like just going in and I don't always get out of the pocket. I stay in there and I just, yeah, you know, I'm very aggressive. Yeah. Uh, but that wins. 
it's yeah it's good to have that switch to turn on right and yeah. sometimes in the fights if if yeah, hypothetically if you're down on the cards it's a good thing to be able to turn on the latter rounds as well yeah. if you have somehow saved up your energy and your cardio a bit more and to turn that on and really wear them down right and yeah. go for the knockout yeah yeah i just gotta try and temper that with this composure and picking the right time to do that yeah, instead of being in, in the face though, right <laughs> exactly um yeah but i guess that's the difference between being like reactive yeah. <laughs> and then you know um Bit controlling smart. the fight yeah, and fighter, yeah yeah yeah, so, I mean, I guess then with boxing, obviously a lot like guys like Flo Mayweather and things like that, they're defensive boxers, right? They learned, they used to be a bit more aggressive in the past, like you're probably talking about, and then they've learned to be defensive, and that seems to be their greatest weapon a lot of the times as well. Is that something you've sort of worked on as well? I guess with yeah. footwork and head movement and things like that, it's a little bit of a way of being defensive, right? I find that... Um, I'm not a counter fighter yeah. <laughs> and um, obviously you work on things all the time, but that kind of style irritates me. Yeah. Like I know it's smart, but I feel like it's sometimes boring and not busy. <laughs> and so that's just something that I need to kind of work because I everyone has their own game plan. Yeah. Um, but for me, somebody that sits back and just waits for me to come in, if I, you know, when you know that's what they're doing, you can work around it. Yeah. But um, it irritates me. <laughs> That's fair. It does irritate you know, me. You know what you, you like know. to do then in the ring. Yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. Um, so you say uh, you're working with John Wayne Parker. Were you, because he's a, he used to be an MMA fighter, right? Or kickboxer, it was it mainly? He's one of the best Muay Thai fighters Muay Thai, in yeah, the world. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like ever. So he's one of the first Australians to go over to Thailand and fight and um, beat Thais, um, you know, and has some really amazing accolades. Like he could yeah. go anywhere in the world is, is famous, but he's obviously had a, a full Muay Thai career, kickboxing um, and boxing. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, the, I'm really lucky to have him as a, a trainer. Um, yeah. And just have his input daily because a lot of gyms, when they have, uh, you know, famous fighters running them, they're not necessarily working in the gym, but the gym's run by him, his wife, Angie, who's a world champion, their daughter, Jazzy, who's my training partner. And I'm so lucky right now because she also has a boxing fight. So Jazzy's going for an Australian title. I'm going for an Australasian title. And they're both a week apart from each other. Oh, awesome. And we're the same weight. Yeah, so we're actually so really good partners. Good, yeah. yeah. And it's hard to come by probably. I mean, obviously, there's a lot more female fighters now and mixed martial artists Definitely. and everything. But, you know, I'm sure when you were coming up, that was a lot harder to come by oh. to have a decent partner to train with. I, yeah, I was always the, mainly the only girl in the gym. And I was originally fighting upper weight. So when I was first coming up in MMA, I was weighing on the scales at like 50 and I would fight um, 48 to 51, but no one, there was no one at 50. So I'd fight at straw weight, which is 52 kilos. So these girls would cut weight. So let's say they're like, I don't know, 58, 56, and they cut down to 52. Yeah. I would always be at 50. So in the beginning of MMA, it was, there was like really, it was really hard. Yeah. Um, um, my, uh, I got signed early and I had some bad losses. Um, and I got five losses in a row. And that's when I went to Muay Thai because I was like, oh man, I've got to, I've got to work on my skills yeah. individually in all these areas. So I went to Muay Thai, worked on my skills there, went to BJJ, did comps, got my purple belt and always planned to go back to MMA, but you know, yeah, <laughs> I've been on a different, plans, yeah. yeah, I've been on a different journey, but um, now there's so many opportunities for girls. Yeah. So even the UFC, 
went from saying they'd have no girls and then you look at Ronda Rousey, like Dana White changed his mind. And then we just had like the strawweight category and um, bantam. And then now you've got flyweight and there's so many more opportunities in the UFC. But in all all promotions, yeah. um, there's a lot of, um, you know, space for females now, which is great. Yeah, this like is, should be. Bellator's got like Kayla Harris and things like that. And um, you've got Wushchenko. She's an absolute beast. Oh, we uh, love her. So yeah, so good to love watch her. fight. And uh, Amanda Nunez, obviously, probably the, the greatest, one yeah. of the greatest uh, of all time, if not the greatest. Yeah, in UFC, but in um, what we're talking about, Bellator, yeah. Arlene Blanco, Aussie, um, she's killing it right now, okay. knocking girls out. She's been training in America. Oh, I've seen that on your Instagram, actually. I share a lot of her stuff. We have yeah. um, there's uh, one of my uh, a couple, my their sponsors and friends as well, um, because forget nine to five. BF925. Yeah. <laughs> um, check them out. <laughs> yeah, so they make um, really cool merchandise T-shirts and hoodies and things, but it's to do with supporting athletes that uh, have been, you know, doing what they love, um, their passion, be fighting or, you know, whatever it might be, but they have to have a job to fund it. And yeah. it's just kind of giving a bit more of, um, you know, exposure to those fighters that, like, do it all until they, you know, make it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's just more about the lifestyle than, you know, um, money or anything like that yeah. and just making it okay. <laughs> so what does it be 952? Uh, because forget 9 to 5, so it's BF925. <laughs> BF925, okay. Yeah, because when I first heard from them, I was like, I thought it was – because fuck nine to five. And yeah, I was that's like, what I thought you were going towards. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, it still works. <laughs> you know, you just do. There's a good marketing gimmick behind that anyway. Yeah, do what you can until yeah. your passion takes over. I think over. a lot of people can relate to that one. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Also, okay, first starting out then, let, let's take it back a little bit. Yeah. Because I saw, you said you got signed, is that to one championship? Yeah. Because I saw that and I thought, wow, that's that's pretty awesome. Um, that's a Asian fight league, right? But worldwide, but... Is it, um, yeah, is it Japan, Japanese so or not? they're based in Singapore. One yeah. Championship is the biggest sports media property in Asia. Okay. So they were really smart. Um, so if we think about the UFC's already established, when One Championship was growing, they've reached out to fighters in their native countries and they've really grown it from like a grassroots level. Awesome, so you've yeah. given a spotlight on these authentic martial arts and brought these fighters up through the rank, like they've got like, you know, they do a, like a, the UFC ultimate fighter and the contender, they've got their version, which yeah. is like, I think it's warrior something, <laughs> yeah. um, but they've gone to different countries and found, you know, talent. Like, yeah. yeah. On, yeah. Um, but yeah, Myanmar, um, Thailand, uh, you know, just all countries throughout Asia, Philippines. I, what I loved about the opportunities I've had with one championship because I got a six fight contract and it broke my heart that I actually lost three out of the six fights that I had with them. Yeah. Um, but I had really, really tough matches. So my first fight for them was against um, Angela Lee. I watched that. Yeah. In her hometown in yeah. a stadium full of 20,000 people. You could tell the crowd. Yeah. Yeah. Because they were quiet at the start because you were, you were taking it to her early on. Yeah. There's a lot of striking and a lot of volume, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, she's a, is she black belt jujitsu at the Very time good or? grappler. Yeah. So she's um kind of like the pars that I train with. They've got three children. They would have been brought up in the sport in Muay Thai. Yeah. Angela Lee is part of the Lee family where she's got brothers and sisters. The parents were hapkido practitioners. They would have brought her up from 
an early age in the gym too. Um, and so she's an absolute beast um, mm. grappling. Uh, I would say she's a black belt, but I'm not too sure yeah. actually. Um, and she got me in a really rare move, which is the twister. I know, I so saw it started it. off well and you can hear the commentators being like, I don't know if Nat should have taken her to the ground. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I should have would have cut her. Well, it kind yeah. of went that way, didn't it? And you went with the momentum of where the fight was going. I took it down and I was yeah. like, could I finish her with ground and pound? Went for it. Because that's what you tried to do, yeah. 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 Anyways, um, I'm now on a highlight reel, which has been, I don't know, sh shared how many times. And what's really annoying, because people that I've met through Muay Thai, and sorry if people have done this and they're cringing now when I talk about it, but um, because one champion's huge, one championship's huge, and they met me from Muay Thai, they don't know that I had an MMA career. Mm. So when anybody sees it for the first time, they either message me and say, is this you? Or they tag me and be like, oh my God, Nat. And it's like, I was there. And you have to relive it every I time. Said, I have to relive it, yeah. yeah. And what makes it worse is they also did a breakdown. So they, the, the team she's from is called Evolve University. Yeah. And they did a breakdown where they... They put it in slow-mo and they did little red circles around every mistake oh, no. I made. <laughs> yeah. Just to break just it like, down further. I was like, that's very educational. Thank you for making me better. Yeah. <laughs> just go cry what, in the shower. What else can you say yeah. to that? Yeah. Yeah. But no, it's okay. I'm over it. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things. So that was the first fight. Um, that was fight, in Singapore. Yeah. And then um, as... A Filipino, I'm half Filipino, I'm Filipino. I was born in the Philippines, raised in England. To be able to go fight in the Philippines and see all my relatives and obviously represent my Filipino side is really important to me. And I had a couple fights there too, um, which was amazing. So I was based in Sydney. And when I got booked by one, I'd fly to Singapore, Philippines. And, you know, you'd be there a bit before for the fight week. And yep. it was an amazing experience. Um, yeah, I just, I was... Uh, really hoping that I got a chance to have the last three fights on my contract to turn it around. So what I actually did when I was in Sydney is quit my job, take all my money from my business yeah. and went to America in the hopes of having like this superstar training camp that would turn my career around. Yeah. And I went to America, had an amazing camp and then lost a fight by decision and broke my orbital. Then when I came back to Sydney, I had to start all over again. Yeah. I went back to America and I was waiting for a fight, but I basically didn't get that fight and was, um, I guess you could say, shelved or not given those the remaining fights on my contract. Yeah. Um, but it is what it is. Mm. Um, I didn't perform, but it was a really good experience. And so I had to kind of, you know, uh, reassess and that's when I decided to work on everything individually go back to basics and then rebuild when I had a bit more experience yeah. because when I got signed to one I was in losses for MMA so I think I won my first three and then I lost five in a row then I went to Muay Thai and was won um, nine fights in 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 a row so I went from like the lowest low to the, a high and yeah. then started winning championships too um, and then uh, yeah, it's just super happy. It changed my life. So, yeah. What championships were you? I saw your former champion, a couple of different belts, right? Well, it, there's so many different promotions. Yeah. But the, easy, the easiest way to sort of think about it um, is there's nationals um, for Muay Thai. Yeah. There's states, there's nationals. Every show that is put on might have their own show belts. Mm -hmm. And then there's different 
organizations and some are more prestigious than others, which have belts. So if you wanted a world title, say, you could win states, go to nationals, and then get selected as the Australian team to go to worlds. Yeah. I've won states twice, won nationals twice. And one time I didn't have funding to go to worlds. And the second time, because of COVID, I couldn't go. Oh, then I've won... Um, uh, a state state belt, um, like a WKBF belt, sorry, Queensland. So I'm a Queensland champ, um, WKBF, and I'm an East Coast champ, also WKBF. I had the ch nearly had the chance to fight for a, um, oh God, I'm forgetting all of the names of the <laughs> different promotions yeah. for a belt. Um, and uh, then because of COVID, it didn't happen. So, so yeah there's all these different organizations and when you want to progress throughout your career, you obviously want to get state, national, Australian. And then, you know, if you can get abroad or, you know, you want to progress in your career, you want to yeah. get a world, um, well about there's different routes, but it just depends what shows you're fighting on and what organizations they're paired with. Yeah. Um, yeah. To sort of work, work their way up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So I, I know, um, so you said you went to America to train. I'm sure I saw something on your Instagram you trained with at the Cowboys Ranch. Is that right? That was like the best experience of my life. <laughs> so for the people who don't know, Cowboys a veteran in the UFC, yeah. uh, Donald Cerrone. Yeah, yeah. And he's a bit of an adrenaline junkie as well. So I'm sure that was a very fun time. Yeah, I that was it was um, part of my trip to America. When I went, I was thinking, how am I going to turn my career around? I need to be training with um, girls or professional fighters. Because um, I had a really good team in Sydney, but to get um, to the next level, I needed to surround myself with other fighters. And in my gym, there were no other girls my weight fighting. Yeah. And at Jackson's MMA, um, when I went there, it was bizarre because it's such an established gym. All these other girls that had maybe been through the same thing as me. We had this magical first trip where like everybody was the same weight. So I'd step onto the mats and I was fighting at 50, 48 to 52. And there was 12 girls. Wow. So can you imagine the depth? Like you go, your training partners, your sparring partners, you've got, rather than being one girl mismatched with men, like guys all different weights, or you get matched with teenagers or, you know, you're actually with girls and women, like your actual same weight yeah. and you know, it just made the training so much more competitive. Yeah. Um, and so that was so that was really useful. So when when I went to America the first time, I was in New Mexico, which is where they shot Breaking Bad. Yeah. So is I don't Albuquerque know, or yeah, yeah Albuquerque. Yeah. So I mean, if you're going to pick a destination somewhere to go, apart from the Sandia um, crest, the mountains, and like the beautiful landscape, maybe Albuquerque is not like the first place you're going to go to. Yeah. Um, and if you've watched Breaking Bad, you'll like probably have like a, an image. Yeah, <laughs> but, I haven't really. I've watched a little bit. I thought I saw the movie. I didn't actually get into the series, but yeah. Yeah, well, the first time, the first night, this is no joke that I was landed in Albuquerque. Um, I had the window open and I could hear the police um, with a megaphone talking to somebody in the house who'd been taken hostage. And there was 
a helicopter's above and they were like monitoring this hostage situation, like a house, like a couple doors down. Yeah. And it was on TV and I could hear it through my window in the dorms. And so it was like um, a really interesting neighborhood. Um, and so, but we were in this little bubble because we were just there for the gym and all yeah. these people from all over the world were there. Um, and just amazing coaches, like amazing fighters like John Jones, Holly Holmes, Michelle Waterson, who I idolized. Like I followed her career in Fight Girls when she was fighting Muay Thai to yeah. the UFC. And then Cowboy's been my all-time favorite fighter since when he used to fight in WEC and I saw him fight, um, you know, even back then, I just loved his style of fighting. Yeah. I wanted to be that sort of, you know, fast paced and aggressive. Um, and it was on my second visit that he was building the BMF ranch yeah. and I ended up living at his for six weeks. So when I was at Jackson's, I'd met people my first trip. And when I went back the second time um, to try and, you know, rebuild after that, third loss in yep. one championship. Um, I remember we were, I don't know, what were we doing? We're probably just after sparring one day, I think, because um, he's sponsored by Malibu Boats. The, quite often he was, he's just a super nice down-to-earth down to guy. He'd take a lot of like the dorm guys um, out on the, the lake and, you know, you do like wakeboarding and that kind of thing. And just on the drive one day he said like, oh, you know, you're welcome to stay at the ranch and I thought he was joking. I was like, yeah, whatever. And he's like, no, no, seriously. Yeah. You know, um, I'm in camp. He was in camp to fight Darren Till, um, which is a huge fight. Mm. And so to be at the ranch while he was getting ready for Darren Till to have access to like, you know, his coaches. And it wasn't just me, it was some other fighters as well, all up and comers. We were like taking notes. So he had Joe Schilling, who's an amazing kickboxer yeah. there. He had um, Izzy, who's an amazing wrestling coach. Um, he was in, um, I don't know if you saw the UFC recently, the Max Holloway fight. Yeah, 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 of course. Um, so the, the Rodrigo, yeah, 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 yeah Rodrigo's in his yeah. corner. Um, and then uh, Pedro Camberos, who's the padman um, for Yeah as well. Um, I met them all when I was at Cowboys. And so he had, it was just an awesome experience. And it just sort of showed me like what you can do through the sport. Mm. So if you become really successful, like all the things he loves to do, he's sponsored by those things, like yeah. Budweiser, Malibu Boats, <laughs> you know, Monster. Um, and then when it's time to fight, he flies all of his um, friends and the best coaches from, you know, his different different disciplines, like wrestling coach, BJJ coach, but they're like obviously people he rates, yeah. um, flies them in and they'll live with him for two to three months. Um, but the thing I love the most as well is that I ride a motorbike now but when I was there, they all ride Harleys. And so have you ever seen this film called Wild Hogs? Wild Hogs. Possibly. So when I was at the ranch, quite often um, they'll go for a ride and they'd like have a beer. And yeah. there's this one spot, what was it called? It wasn't called Miami. It was called, oh, I wish I could remember the name. Oh, but it's in, in the film Wild Hogs. And it's just a really cool drive just out to this little like countryside bar. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they'd go have a beer and then go back and start training. And I was like trying to keep up. So we'd go, we'd go for a ride. I'd have like a, a bud and then they'd be like, right, time to hit pads. And I'd be like, you're kidding, right? <laughs> right like, that, yeah. yeah, but it, you just kind of had to like just keep up. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're in that environment, aren't you? So it's just like kind of like, okay, well, I'm, I'm in here now, so I might as well roll with it. Yeah. And 
just things like we'd go sparring and then, then he'd go and do his swimming conditioning. And I was like, oh, I haven't actually swam in a while. And they're like, Bruh! and then they would do these dive sprints where they dive off the board and they'd sprint and then get out the other end, dive back in, sprint. And like four laps was like one. Yeah. I remember like just just trying not to drown. Like the first time we'd done it after sparring. Yeah. But, you know, after- Especially your arms are like feeling a little bit weak and then you got to paddle or well, not paddle, swim properly, yeah. Yeah, well, you just you just raise to the level that you've thrown in at. Yeah, yeah. So I was I was lucky to survive. And the, the saddest thing is like after all that training with Cowboy, then he flew out to fight Darren Till. I was like, I'm ready to go. And then I didn't get matched. So I had all of this momentum, all this amazing training, was like ready to turn my record around. And then didn't get a match and went back to Sydney. And that really sucked because I'd like spent all of my money trying to like give myself like one perfect camp to like get everything yeah. going again. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it just didn't happen. But in a lot of ways, it was really good because when I came back, I started from square one and it, you know, made the right changes. So so that was when you were still signed to one, is that right? Yeah. yeah. So you're hoping for that next match, yeah. Yeah. And I guess so. You, it's obviously helpful to be in America when that happens. Or have you? Were you in Australia as well when you were going to fights still for one championship? So one have fighters all over the world. So wherever yeah. I was, they would have flown me to, to oh, fight. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But it was helpful for me to be in America because of the training. So I was always training with fighters, and that was the main difference. Is yeah. just that back in Sydney, unfortunately, there were really good training and partners and fight fighters but in terms of the girls team like you couldn't beat jumping on the mat with 12 people yeah and then how often have you got i mean i had michelle wallison and jody escabel and some really amazing fighters that have had like you know 20 plus professional fights to train with them and help them with their camps i mean um i remember for for Michelle, she was fighting um, Rose Naman Yunus. Yeah. And they're like, oh, okay, we're going to do some drills, pretend to be Rose. It's like, what? <laughs> you know? <Heat> kick. <laughs> yeah. I actually did get knocked out by Michelle um, in one training session. Yeah. So I survived the first two months and then I went back for three months the second time. It was just towards the end of the three months. They were drilling something. I knew something was coming and she did a, she took a step forward and switch kicked and I went out. Like it was like a flash knockout, yeah. but I woke up kind of angry and like wanted to carry on the round. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I actually didn't care because she's like my idol. Yeah, <laughs> so it's I was a like, story to have, right? <laughs> it's just like, yeah. But um, they, yeah, it was good. I just didn't train for like a couple of weeks afterwards and just yeah. recovered and actually used the last two weeks to explore Albuquerque and like the surrounding areas. And Yeah. Yeah. So it was a great experience, nevertheless. Yeah, it was so good. And um, they had, apart from Sandy Crescent in the mountains, there were these um, springs and falls and, you know, lots of natural stuff to look at as well. Santa yeah. Fe was close by. And I made friends um, with uh, a girl called Nikki who shared a lot about her culture with me. And so she um, would show me a lot of, like, the Native American um you know, culture yeah. while I was there. So I ate buffalo. I went to some art exhibitions, you know, you know, for nature walks and kind of learned yeah. about her culture and stuff. And that was really cool too. Yeah, that would have been so cool. Yeah. Buffalo is delicious as well. Oh, it was so good. Never had it before. And yeah. then, yeah, it was, yeah, amazing. Yeah, I had it once uh, when I went to America there. Um, yeah, buffalo burger. It was probably the best thing that I ate when I was there. Yeah. Buffalo burger and blue cheese. It was just I don't an doubt amazing it. combination. Like I, I've, 
out of everything, every place, like expensive restaurants and stuff that we went to, just like that, I remember the like, most. Like, give me the buffalo. Oh, it's delicious. I dream about it all the time. Oh, so yeah, that's the last time I've had buffalo and it was the best. I mean, I know Joe Rogan always talks about elk. elk I've yeah, never yeah, tried yeah. that. But um, yeah, it was so good. Um, and another thing that I loved about America, um, and I... I went to New York. I stayed in Queens before I was training. This was like a leisure holiday. And then when I went back, um, I got the bug for chicken wings. So I would have that everywhere. Buffalo is my thing. Buffalo wings. Buffalo chicken wings. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. With yeah. the buffalo sauce. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. But it's just when it's spicy that. hot. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, they do them over here as well, right? But are they, does it even taste? I can tell. Yeah. Some, some are good. And then... Not some some aren't so good. I would consider myself a connoisseur. I probably had wings a everywhere. Wing connoisseur. <laughs> yeah, and it's weird because I actually tried to go vegan last last year, um, but I needed a transfusion, and I tried to do it all right. I had like vitamin, all the vitamins and stuff. But yeah, yeah, I think I just need meat. <laughs> So. Yeah. So what, uh, and yeah, that must've been, how did you find it obviously fighting and things like that, or were you training and didn't actually have a fight at that time or? So, well, I was vegetarian for, from the age of eight to 18. So for 10 years when I was younger and then I had a growth spurt, I grew three inches when I started wow. eating meat. And so I just kind of ate meat That's because crazy. I thought it was good for me. Yeah. But then I got this real like aversion to it and I don't know, really know why it started. So I, um, I decided to go vegan for three months to try, see how it affected my training. And I felt like I had loads of energy and I yeah. felt <laughs> clean. Yeah. So I was like, oh, this is all right. Um, and, you know, stuck it out for a bit. And then in the second month, I was training for nationals, the second nationals that I did. I just, my body wouldn't recover and I started to crash. And I ended up having a blood transfusion like a day before I had to compete because I couldn't, I, I didn't. I normally fight in 48 to 51 and my body was like, I was plateauing. Like even though I was training really hard, I hadn't lost any weight. It wasn't really eating much as well. Yeah. It was bizarre. So I had to just go up a category and I fought in like, I think it was what do you mean, like 52 to 54, which is big for me. Yeah. Like I have never competed in that before, um, but I still won, which is great. Wow. But um, yeah, I had to have a transfusion. So I haven't tried since then. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think everybody's different. Yeah. Maybe if I had like a nutritionist, a dietitian, it might have been all right. It might have been safer and better. But I still had done all my own research and was taking, you know, B12 and everything. So yeah. I'm not sure where it went wrong, but it didn't work for me. Yeah. Yeah. Blood transfusion is pretty heavy. Yeah. To have to have done. Yeah. Mm. I can see why you wouldn't want to try it again, though, exactly either. No. But yeah, I mean, so you felt, you feel good about your diet and everything that you're doing now like yeah. for yourself yeah yeah so my friend um she funnily enough um we're training partners and then she became one of my personal training clients yeah. and she lost like 22 kilos wow. and she was cooking and now she does a lot of food plans for fighters so it's gone full circle so i was her pt and she lost a bunch of weight and now she makes food plans and does meal prep yeah. and she's been making my food for like maybe a year or two now and so my lunch and dinner is always sorted so my nutrition's good yeah that's amazing so i don't have to worry about yeah things. to worry about cooking and things yeah. like that on top of everything else after a massive day it's just a, yeah it's a bit of a nightmare sometimes yeah i do love cooking but um for you know, just performance wise and yeah, time efficiency, everything else. Um, it's yeah. And her food's amazing. So yeah, yeah it's oh, for great. the love of time. If anybody wants to check it there out. There you go. A little plug. Yeah. 
Uh, is that Gold Coast? Spring? Yeah, yeah, Gold yeah, Coast. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, you said you were in Sydney originally. Is that like is that where your family was at the time, and you came to Queensland? Or? No, so I'm a bit of a nomad. Um, I left the UK and went on this round the world trip, and I was meant to go to South America and end up in America. Yeah. And my dream was like, I'll be in the UFC by then. Um, and what happened was. After Thailand, I came to Australia, was only meant to be here three months and actually met someone yeah. and ended up settling in Sydney for about five or six years. Um, so that's, that was my springboard. So I was training in Sydney and competing and fighting abroad. Yeah. Um, and I only came up to Queensland when I went into Muay Thai. I'd met the PARs and on public holidays, I would fly up to Gold, the Gold Coast just to get some Muay Thai training in just because obviously admiring them and it was good yeah. training just train with them on their normal schedule for for maybe a few days and then go back to sydney and then when i went into muay thai um to compete in nationals your gym has to be registered yeah and my gym in sydney wasn't registered so i've been keeping in touch with angie online um and she's uh, American, um, but she has a Mexican background. And when I was in New Mexico, we were kind of bonded over food and just some, you know, similarities of things. And she invited me to come and train at Boonchu. So from Sydney, I was driving 10 hours. Oh no. Every time she booked me a fight. Yeah. But what happened the first time was she let me fight. And it was, a. I was actually pretty amazed when this happened. I wanted to compete in nationals, but my gym wasn't registered. She let me compete under Boonshu the first time, yeah. which is kind of not a risk, but like bearing in mind I'd represent her gym and yeah, I hadn't been yeah. training with her. She um, must have thought quite highly of you to do that, yeah. I don't know what she's expecting. <laughs> but it, um, I, whatever it was, pressure having John Wayne Parr in my corner for my first fight back to Muay Thai, but I won nationals. So I was, I'd been training MMA in the States, came back, um, went into... Muay Thai after, because I had a couple fights a couple years prior. Oh, actually, no, sorry. So I'd had a couple fights in Muay Thai in 2012 before my MMA career. Then I just did MMA. Yeah. And then in 2018, I won the Nationals. So I hadn't fought Muay Thai in about six years. First fight back was representing Boonshu and with John Wayne Parr in my corner. And yeah, I won Nationals. And because of that, I was like, oh, this is just such a good vibe, connection, whatever. I was driving 10 hours to train with Angie every time I had a Muay Thai fight booked. And after a year of doing that, I actually just moved to the Gold Coast. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because so. that's tough. Yeah, 10 hours, like just a... Just yeah. a so you would train for like a weekend or, I'd or actually, I'd a fight camp? Fight camp. So yeah, okay, that makes sense, yeah. What happened was, um, and I think... You probably, yeah, a life experience, but you would know from your guests and just people you've met um, through acting and things, I think, that when um, you have to go all in. Yeah. So there comes a point where you can't do a nine to five. If you want to get to the next level, you have to take a risk. Yeah. And so what happened to me after America was I could have gone into a nine to five and been stuck in Sydney, or I basically started temping didn't have a set location or set job and just whichever state I was in, I would temp and I would fight. Yeah. And it was pretty crazy. So if I had a fight booked in Queensland, I would put all my stuff in the car. My friend that I was living with in Sydney let me keep my stuff there. So I ended up 
almost like a crazy auntie that got divorced. I was like renting a room from a friend. And whenever I went away, she just let me keep my stuff at her house, which was amazing because it allowed me to go to America and train in the Gold Coast before my move. Um, so that was, yeah, just so nice of her to do. Um, but yeah, I packed my car up. I would drive to Queensland and I actually stayed with the PARS for a fight camp. So I would be there for four to eight weeks. And then after the fight, I would drive back to Sydney, get on the temping books for Sydney and just did that yeah. back and forth. So yeah, it was crazy. But I find like when you're doing something for the right motives, you have that good energy. Yeah. You tend to attract the attract right people. Good things coming up. Yeah. Yeah. And I was so lucky that when I was, up on the Gold Coast initially, um, the PARs were really welcoming. I ended up, you know, training at Boonshu, but then working a bit for Angie. So she's got three kids and I'd like help with the kids and do a bit of nannying and doing a bit of um, gym, working in the gym. And yeah, just it just all worked out. But it was definitely a bit of a juggle and it was a massive risk because if you imagine like a nine to five job in Sydney, you got the security. I was working in accounts, it's quite good pay. And I came into the Gold Coast, it was a massive hit in terms of pay and yeah. everything else. It was pretty, pretty full on. And it's also like a hard thing when you're trying to focus on fighting and everything and training, you don't want to have to figure out where your next paychecks are coming from or what you're working on and things like that. But as you say, you took the risk and it's it's paying off, you know, and you've got, it, it's like that natural progression, like you wanted to be in the UFC and things like that. And now all of a sudden now you're boxing as your main focus, right? Do you think you're going to go back anything to MMA or you still take MMA fights or are you just solely training boxing now? Uh, I want to, but it's been a bit of a test because I actually um, pre-shoulder surgery so a cliff jumping a cliff jumping accident gone wrong um I hurt my shoulder and never fixed it and then just years of training um I've got a tear I've got a labrum tear so I need a, a slap repair and my shoulder's actually torn so when I was getting ready for my last title fight in the depths of COVID at that time when everything kept getting postponed and you know um I was getting ready for a boxing fight and a Muay Thai fight. And so I was hitting pads in the morning for boxing. And then I was going to the gym and hitting pads in the night for Muay Thai. And the I was training so hard and I'd recently injured my shoulder in BJJ that whatever I did in BJJ had made it so inflamed that I had a bleeding cyst in the socket, a torn labrum and like hemorrhaging and just the worst, like there was nothing that showed on the ultrasound and the MRI came back and it was ridiculous so I had to have a four five months off and I thought I actually might have to retire yeah so I couldn't take any fights I focused on coaching I was like trying to get these backup plans going I was like oh, I did not expect this like what if I have to have surgery it's a year off and then I'm going to be in my 30s fighting because of my weight I'm fighting against 18 year olds mm. <laughs> you know I was like do I really want this like this is going to be crazy and what actually happened was my rehab went really well and I've had two really big fights this year. I was a main event on an MMA card, but a Muay Thai fight. So it was in a cage, pretty crazy. Yeah. And then I had the, um, I was on the the pay-per-view for um, my, the Australasian title. So it was a full recovery. And, you know, that surgery will need to happen at some point. 
but you know at the moment everything else around it is so strong it's keeping it in the right position say so it doesn't hinder you at all like you feel i won't go into too many specifics yeah yeah good i would but (laughs) there are certain things that trigger it and right now i know that muay thai and boxing is safe and i would love to go back to mma um and you never know what might happen Mm. but there are certain things that need to be stable and i need to be able to get through an mma training camp to to have an MMA fight. Yeah. And I actually can't and don't risk uh, risk a shoulder injury by tr- practicing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu when I have a fight booked. So what I've done in the past is do everything. Yeah. And then if I've got a boxing fight, in the limited time I've got to get ready for that fight, it doesn't really do me any um, justice or it doesn't help me at all to be straining my shoulder in positions that uh, I'm Yeah, I could not, imagine it's the worst thing possible for it. Yeah, your your whole I'm, body, if not your shoulder and your arms are getting bent everywhere. Yeah. Oh. yeah, it doesn't help me for boxing. So mm. what seems to happen is I keep getting Muay Thai and boxing fights and then I'm not consistently training wrestling in BJJ. And so the MMA is always just kind of gets pushed back. Yeah. So eventually I'm hoping to have a full camp because it's not like you forget it. And I do try and do something like once a week to keep it fresh. But, um, you know, it's not, you want to be a complete fighter. Yeah. And, you know, I've still got takedown defense, but I'd be winging it until you have a full MMA camp. Yeah. You know, um, I'd be ready for Muay Thai and boxing any day of the week. but. Yeah. MMA, I'd need a full camp. Yeah, and that, but the muscle memory will come back, won't yeah. it? And obviously years and years of training, yeah. Yeah. Just, I guess like anything, you can get a little rusty, right, if you're not progressively training it all the time, yeah. Yeah, well, what's crazy is my career in MMA was like five, six years. I've only actually been doing Muay Thai, like uh, fighting Muay Thai since 2018. Yeah. So I've still got more experience in MMA than I do in Muay Thai. And yeah, boxing wow. only done this year, obviously been training the whole time in martial arts yeah and it doesn't really matter when you get to this stage you know what your fight style is and you know that you're a, fi- a fighter and a martial artist and then that'll you know you, you'll express yourself in different situations but you have the essence is the same yeah. like i know how to fight and it will come through whatever however i'm competing like you still have that same spirit so yeah I can see how like the Muay Thai fighter comes out in you with that aggression and everything. Yeah. 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 yeah I can see why that would be well suited to you. Mm. So, I mean, a question is why fighting? Why did you start with mixed martial arts and, or, or fighting in general? Um, Karate, right? It was your first yeah. discipline. So my parents met in Hong Kong and my dad was doing karate. So when they moved back here, when I, cause I was born in the Philippines, I flew in, um, moved over to England um my dad put me in karate when I was eight and so I had that base but I gave up when I was 14 and I had I was very rebellious and I kind of was just off the sporting radar from about 14 to 21 well I shouldn't say off the sporting radar I played competitive hockey and I played for county like again just swinging sticks like (laughs) such an aggressive um mid right was my position just all over the place just chopping people but um it makes sense yeah yeah um but I didn't from 14 to 21 I didn't do any martial arts and then I got into boxing so I had that base from my family like my dad obviously is a martial artist he encouraged me to do karate I did it to brown belt as a kid um it taught me a lot of discipline and it you know helped me manage my emotions and then I had a really bad time when I was in uni probably from the age of 
14 to 18, I was pretty wild. And then I had a real dark time while I was at uni. And I started boxing in my last year. So I was about 20, 21. Um, and I went to boxing classes and it just helped kind of remind me of that discipline and helped me make some really positive changes. So um, I basically... I used to do charity fundraising in uni and I'd go to different areas and we'd raise money for different um, causes. And I got, my whole team and me got attacked by a gang. So, um, and it, it was racial. So they, they called me a chinky <laughs> and I went to court over it. Yeah. Um, and there was such so many people involved that no one actually got prosecuted. So the first thing was I got attacked by a gang. Um, then something really bad happened. And then a third thing, um, my boyfriend actually attacked me and it was pretty full on. I, over, over the years, people have asked and I've like skimmed over it. So I've never really gone into much detail. Yeah. Um, but I basically just had three really disempowering things happen in a short space of time. And I remember just being like the day after the, the worst incident with my ex happened. My room was trashed. I'd had to get his mum to come and collect him from my house. And I was just sat in this wreckage in my room, just being like, this is ridiculous. Like, uh, I just needed to change something. And I remember like he'd brought some friends back and there were beer cans. I was like cleaning up the beer cans and like there was like spliffs everywhere. I'm like chucking them out. Yeah. And it was real like, you know, just like, just sick of it. Yeah. Um, just realized I didn't have like a good, um, just wasn't in a good place. Mm. And then I just was like, oh, you know, I need to know how to defend myself. And I did, that wasn't even my thought, like not like I need to defend myself, but I just had the thought that I need to like do something. And then it was like, oh, I looked up gyms and I found boxing. And then it was just so, it just was just, I just became obsessed. It's just a rolling um, I just kind of, the more sessions I did, the more in control of my life I felt and the more positive changes you make. Cause to be a good boxer, you know, you have to be disciplined. You've got to eat right, sleep right. And it, the effects trickle, like trickle out into every other area of your life. So, um, yeah, that's basically how it started. And I never did it thinking that I'd be a fighter. I just remember they used to have interclubs and one of the, one of the guys like, oh, you should do the interclub. And I was like, no, no, I wouldn't do it. And after a little bit of like uh, just gentle nudging, <laughs> I ended up doing an interclub and there was, again, no girls. So it was like me against this massive girl. But I did really well against her. Um, and I was like, oh, she was way bigger than me and I beat her. Yeah. And then people had told me that I needed to do more. And then I, I just started training every day. And I trained like multiple classes at night. So the gym was an MMA gym. So I do like boxing and wrestling, capoeira. And then and then I then I had the idea to go to Thailand and fight. Um and yeah, just just kind of took over. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. So like, yeah, from a position of obviously um, you know, feeling helpless and yeah, needing some uh well, self-defense, but being empowered seem to have driven that whole yeah. circumstance, yeah, of you finding it, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Like, and I hear, so I hear, like I, 
sometimes I feel a bit of responsibility, like I should share more because there's a lot of women out there that have had similar experiences. Yeah, for sure, yeah. And as a coach now and being into, obviously with my injury, looking at the big picture and kind of thinking about life after fighting, I'm in a kind of different mental space. And so I have had a lot of people talk to me more openly about, you know, why they're, they're training or just the people that, you know, I end up speaking to, um, have needed the same things I've needed. And that's why they've started training too, you know, either to improve their self-confidence or, you know, they've got reasons that they want to, you know, be able to defend themselves and that kind of thing. Um, and so I am sort of, you know, going through a process at the moment. So yeah, I started therapy even to talk about some of the stuff that's happened. So it's been, and also to deal with just the constant, um, since COVID, you know, it's uh, mental health is always an important issue, but so many more people are dealing with frustrations and, you know, uncertain about, you know, how things are. And, um, just the isolation has made things so much worse for people. Um, that, yeah, it's just been a natural thing. So with the injury and with, um, uh, the frustrations I've been dealing with trying to compete at this time, Mm -hmm. I started therapy and then you end up going down these rabbit holes and, examining why fight like why do you fight and looking at these instances obviously on paper it's really obvious why i started fighting Mm. but there's so many other issues tied around it so there was a time where i was losing and it was almost like i was fighting for the wrong reasons it's to make up for like past wrongs like i had all these horrible things happen and when i was like fighting it was a way of being like oh no that's you know makes it worth it or it's like makes up for it but that shouldn't be how you fight and then now that I'm older and wiser and I've got a healthy relationship with my sport and with myself now it's like oh when you win it's because you've invested all that time in your self-development and it's just kind of coming from it for a different space if you ask me why I fight when I was younger I probably would have been like oh I don't know if I would have given you a meathead answer but probably just because I enjoy it and I like to um, work on myself yeah but now it's more than just lifestyle and it's more than an identity that I can't get away from. It's just, I don't know. It's just part of who I am. Yeah, it's an and expression, self-expression. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's an expression. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I see martial arts in general, especially boxing and things like that as, as an art, as an art creative, form. Yeah. yeah. And I think it, it's because a lot of people don't see it that way, but it, I mean, it's something you work on day in, day out, and it's an expression of yourself and the way you fight. Like if you look at all the great fighters, they all fight in, in, very um individual ways you yeah. know like and how they you know like a mike tyson is a, just an absolute machine and a knockout yeah. artist you know where you got like muhammad ali or something that can float around the ring and just do the things that he does defensively and has great power and attack but they all yeah they're all expressing themselves in that ring yeah it's yeah it's a beautiful thing to watch when you see somebody especially when you understand it i guess like i personally i don't i haven't fought you know as like i've done some boxing training and things like that you know little Mm. bits but definitely wouldn't consider myself fighter by any means um but i understand it from a visual point of view i absolutely love it especially boxing Mm. i remember watching it with my old man and david tua used to be a like new zealand slash like samoan fighter yeah heavyweight that did quite well you know he was a knockout artist too but i used to remember watching those and i was just fascinated by it you know and especially you got hundreds of thousands of people if not millions watching around then you've got the stadium of people you know watching for the entertainment but you're kind of just glued into this ring yeah like the whole time and just watching these guys 
just go at it like that, like two gladiators, you know, it's like from an olden days perspective of gladiators, like put into a modern perspective of like people are watching. It's an art form because yeah. people are attracted to it. And it's obviously it's entertainment as well, mm. because that's what sells it. That's what makes the big money fights. But it's just a beautiful thing when you see the little, you see them setting up everything or like at a really intelligent fighter. When you can see that, I think yeah. that's where the art form comes into it Yeah, because you can see the way they, they, they are fighting and they're setting them up to do this. And you're just waiting for that moment of where they just like crack them with like, you know, the right hand or whatever they have in their arsenal. Mm. That's a beautiful thing to see. Like yeah. wearing them down for 10 rounds. They're like, oh, he's getting the better. You know, like Canelo is always fighting and he's fighting all these weight classes and just beating everybody and going up and up and up in fights. And you know, to the untrained eye or someone that doesn't watch boxing, like oh, this guy's actually beat him. You know, he's going to beat Canelo. He's going to. He's just waiting and he's just biding his time that whole time, wearing them down, and then boom, cracks them in like the tenth or eleventh round, and like that Caleb Plant fight that he just had. And Caleb Plant's a really good fighter, but that was you know amazing to see once again. He was putting up just a good all fight over him. him. Yeah. I love how calm he is. That's the crazy thing. He just he's just has such a presence. Like it doesn't matter where he is. He's always balanced. He's always composed. Mm. And then those shots, the the sound of the shots landing like his body shots just sound so nasty yeah mm. so um okay so your fight what is the date set now so um the fight is december 10th um so that's friday that's a friday and it'll be in newcastle so what that's a month away less than a month yeah three weeks yeah. three weeks yeah all good yeah you, yeah <laughs> it's in there why not yeah. um Okay, cool. In Newcastle. So do you fly out early for something like that? Do you like to train there? I guess like obviously when you're dealing with other climates, there's the altitude and things like that. Obviously, I don't think there's too much difference so Newcastle and here. But they'll want us there for the weigh-in. So we'll normally go in on weigh-in day and then we'll fly out the like the morning after. Yeah. So normally it's yeah, you go for the weigh-in, you're there for fight day, and then you'll fly out like just after breakfast, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Fly out to, oh, fly out back here. Yeah. Yeah. Like so you're there for a day or two, basically. Yeah. If it was a, if it was for, like overseas, you would be there to acclimatize for at least five days. Of course. Yeah. 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 And obviously it depends on uh, where you're at, obviously with promotions and things like that. There's sometimes promo and things to be done. Yeah. So yeah, there is the gallon. Who's he fighting? Mm, I can't pronounce him. <laughs> is it? Oh, yeah, I think I did see it. Oh, anyway, it's right. Yeah, it's it's, a, it's both days. It's Thursday 9th and Friday 10th. Yeah. And it's both footy players. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. righto. Mm. So um, with, uh, with your MMA, like you said, I, was it purple belt, did you say, in jiu-jitsu? So, so, yeah, the Brazilian jiu-jitsu level I've got to, I'm a purple belt and I've competed, um, you know, done comps and things. Yeah. But the last MMA fight I had was for one back in 2017. Yeah, because you won a few of those fights by armbar, is that right? So, no, I had three fights, five losses, and yeah. then I've won... One or two by Rene Kachuk. Yeah, oh, that's right. Now. Two. I think I saw two. I looked at your record before. Yeah. Yeah. Two, two. in a row, I think, with Rene uh, Kachuk, wasn't it? Well, that's the way they had it. It was, yeah, it was one Rene Kachuk, one by decision, then another Rene Kachuk. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, well, I mean, obviously you're a very well rounded fighter then in that regard. If you, like yeah, if I watched you fight, I would have said you were mainly a striker. Like that's what it what I'd, it looks like. I'd love to take it, but I guess I'll I'll explain though. When you're when I was fighting MMA in the early days, um, 
the level, so early on in my career, it sounds good that I've got a really good choke, but again, like it's against someone early on in their career. Yeah, okay. And then you're going up the ladder. So when I got signed to one championship, I thought I had a good level jujitsu because, you know, I'd had some wins by submission. I did some local comps, but then you go against Angela Lee, who's been training since she was four years old yeah. <laughs> and is a Naga champ. Um, and so then you get twisted. <laughs> so it brings you, it's humbling. There's nothing more humbling than martial arts, like one person versus the other yeah, one, yeah. you know? And, um, that's that's when I went back to the drawing board, started competing. I was a blue belt at that time and then got my purple belt in 2018. But like I said, I haven't been consistent because, I mean, I've had just so many Muay Thai fights that it has, I've, I've kept my hand in, but it hasn't been, I, my training hasn't been as consistent and um, like, it, like it would be for a Muay Thai fight camp when yeah. you're training twice a day. Yeah. Yeah, it's just too hard to stay on top of it unfortunately yeah have you got in one, my dis case. Is one discipline that you like the best is that muay thai muay thai i actually i really miss kicking i've got to yeah. be honest like i really like boxing the boxing fight was so much fun because <laughs> after the fight i was like i can feel my legs yeah. i know this is a that's a dumb thing to say but after a muay thai fight your shins you can't walk like even if you won the fight because you've been throwing kicks they've been blocked yeah. or not, you know you're normally so sore can't put your elbows on the table because your elbows are sore because you've elbowed people. Yeah. Every, and then after the boxing fight, I felt pretty fresh. Like I know I got punched in the face, but not that much. So, you know. Yeah, and you're checking kicks and things like that as well. Muay Thai's brutal, but it just this, I just love it. And I would really, really like the opportunity to fight for a world title at some point. But again, I haven't fought since May. And then with COVID, there's been so many false starts that I feel like... Um, yeah, I don't know. Just boxing's the, the direction has has led me to, into boxing, yeah. but definitely Muay Thai is still my favorite. Like I miss kicking. So when I'm hitting pads and everything else, and it's just hands, I haven't actually thrown any kicks because when you've got the boxing boots on and someone's in front of you, call, not calling. We do freestyle too. So like just hold the pads, and they have to guess what you're throwing. Yeah. Um. You know, you just box, but. I guess if you're really, really under pressure, you go back to what you know. And there's one of our pad guys is huge. So I'm like five foot two. This guy's like got to be like six foot. I don't know. And he's massive. Like you can throw everything at him and he won't even flinch or yeah. move. And so we were doing pads the other day and I was a bit tired and he's coming at me and I went to tee him and we both looked at each other and I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but that was just because I was just, that's the only time it's happened yeah. where like I've actually gone to tee. Because people ask me that all the time. They're like, when you take a boxing fight, do you ever want to like, shoot for a takedown or elbow someone. Yeah, you're or, so used to it. The temptation there and the muscle memory to want to throw that to keep the distance as well, keep them away from you. I, I mean, you've been in a training camp when you solidly just trained one style. And then I think because each style has a different stance and a different, like, you know, in MMA, you've got the small gloves. Um, in boxing, you've got the shoes. In Muay Thai, you've got the big gloves. It kind of grounds you into that style yeah. a bit too, yeah. as well as obviously having the full camp behind you. Um, but yeah, I was, <laughs> I did wonder on the 12 days notice one, like what if I throw a knee? Um, yeah. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. Well, as I saw as well, when you're fighting uh, some of the ones I've watched, your knees are pretty brutal as well. They seem to be a go-to. They, they haven't been the most natural for me, but I've worked on them. So yeah, when okay. I've, oh, and I have had some good knees in a fight, I'm like, yeah, yeah. You like to throw them. Yeah. 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 They're coming through. Because I guess like Muay Thai, like you're in the, the tight clinch is, 
like a lot as well, right? Which is close quarter fighting. And then, yeah. So the, that's when the knees come. Does the knees more of attacking or a break, like to try and break free from you can the clinch? Throw them at different times. Like if you are at distance and like you're in punch range, you can throw like a, a far away knee, like a spear knee. But if you're in the clinch, you know, you're, you're moving the person um, like you're steering a bus. And yeah. if you move them one way, your knee on one side, you move them the other way, your knee on the yeah. other side. And you've got to be, um, You've got to, you know, be dominant and show that you're winning because if you knee and someone takes it and they don't fire one back at you, look, it doesn't score well. It doesn't look good. So you need to be um, constantly, if you're in the clinch, you need to be constantly throwing, moving your opponent and kneeing to score. Yeah. 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 Okay. And so you had, uh, you said you trained in Thailand, right? As well. Like, so... How, what, how long were you over there? Or were you just going over different fight camps or? So the way that it happened um, initially when I left the UK and I hadn't had any fights, my whole plan, like I said, was that round the world trip. Yeah. So my first stop was Bangkok. So I went to Thailand, Philippines, back to Thailand, actually, then Australia. And so before my MMA career, I traveled throughout Asia and in Thailand, I was living in a Thai camp in Bangkok and then Phuket. And I spent two months and then three months there. And I had two fights at each camp. And then when I was in the Philippines, I was actually doing weapons training. I was doing their national sport called Arnis or a screamer. So um, yeah, Muay Thai is Thailand's national sport. And Arnis is the Philippines national sport. And they teach that in schools. So that's stick fighting. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I think I've seen a few videos of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. teaching school, that's pretty cool. Yeah, anything that you do with a stick, which is meant to represent the sword, you also have to be able to do with your hands. So um, they have different movements. Um, and so, you know, if you're using a stick, it's still mimicking the, the movement of a sword. Yeah. And then if you have, um, you know, you've got to be able to do that with knife, with a gun. Um, yeah, I'm not too good at gun. I haven't had that much practice yeah. with the gun side of things. In fact, I shot the roof in a range in America and Cowboy told me he wasn't taking me hunting because he thought he was a bit scared I might shoot someone in the back of the head. Yeah, yeah, that's probably yeah. fair. Those ranges are wicked though, hey? Yeah, they're pretty crazy. I mean, the the ranges are amazing because they've got so many. They'll just ask you, what you do you want the semi-automatic rifle? Yeah. Or do you want the latest? Like, and they just let you have it. I like know. It, It's like... I, I, should you really let me loose with this thing? Evidently not in my case because yeah. I shot the roof, but. It's funny when you walk into, like I did a range in Vegas and yeah, you can see where all the shots are. You're like, how did somebody shoot the up there when the target's off. there? <laughs> that is my the story. Scope was off. The scope was <laughs> off. That was the range though. <laughs> like straight up. You really need a scope at a range? Um, yeah. Was it from here to like the wall over there? Away? Uh, pass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah basically. <laughs> Yeah, those was, was pretty cool. Hey, I um, shot. Oh, Jesus! I just blanked on it. We shot forty-five um, Glock. Yeah, um, it's like I know what I'm talking no, about. Yeah. I'm like Glock, De- Desert Eagle. Like, <laughs> yeah, Desert Eagle, which was cool. Um, Beretta, I did a Beretta. Um, what yeah, nine millimeter. Yeah, yeah. But I said, uh, yeah, it was a. I had a Glock, a Beretta, a semi-automatic rifle. I think that was, there was probably a couple more. I yeah, the, um, oh, what else do we, yeah, P90, yeah. It's like automatic, it's just like, and it's just like the magazine's just gone straight away. 
That's really awesome, man. Uh, oh, God, I I'm blanking on it. The sniper rifle, a uh, 50 oh. cal sniper rifle, we had a shot with that. Yeah. That was wicked. That had some kickback on it. Were you a natural? Like, what were your markings yeah, like? Yeah, I, I was all right. I was, and, I, you know, I've hunted a few times, but nothing much. Um, yeah. What no, were you hunting? What's that? Oh, when, when I was in New Zealand, like, oh. just a couple. But that was really, like, I went out with friends, like. Just, um, just the local boar in Blenheim yeah. or? <laughs> You had to say that, didn't you? Yeah, we spoke before the show and uh, Nat, the one place she went to in New Zealand happened to be the small, tiny town where I'm from, Blenheim, New Zealand, represent. Yeah. Wine country. Yes, the whole 30,000, 40,000 people that is there. I can't it's believe a lovely you went place. there all places. Well, my auntie moved there to, and there works at this, this vineyard. Um, but, yeah, they have a real nice lifestyle. Like they'll go fishing, chill. share it out. Yeah shoot a boar, share it between all the neighbors. Yeah. But fishing's good in New Zealand. That's what I mostly, I was more of a fisherman than a hunter, but I went you know, out a few times. But yeah, like a lot of my mates, um, they hunted just with dogs, like for the boars. So that's a different experience to hunting with a gun. Oh, no, that, like, I don't know how I feel about some, that. Like the dogs, like they've got the grab dogs that grab on them and they go and slit the throat and stuff. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. It's a lot more primal, I guess, than uh, shooting with guns, that's for sure. I guess the, there'd be similarities with like fox hunting in the UK. Yeah, 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 for sure. Except for probably foxes aren't quite as uh, vicious as, uh, well, I suppose no, they the probably boys, could but, be. I mean, they but... use dogs to hunt them. Oh, okay, yeah, and yeah, yeah, on, yeah, And the people that do them are on horses. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's mm. different. Yeah. It's almost cheating. No, yeah. it's not really. I guess it's I, just a way of I hunting. I haven't done it. Yeah. It sounds like a very English thing to do. Mm. So yeah, you you said you're quite in touch with your Filipino roots. Is it the same with the UK or yeah, yeah? It is. It just um, because I was raised in England, my accent, although it's been Aussified now, it's normally <laughs> quite strong. Um, I feel like I don't have to represent my English side because it's obvious. It's just there, yeah. So when and when I went to the Philippines, I didn't. I'd met family on holiday trips but they were always short, like a couple of weeks with the rest of the family. Yeah. So it's a whole different experience, like finding out my roots of actually living with my relatives, like, you know, like living in the shanty town, washing my own clothes, like after coming from like a like really Western upbringing yeah. in England. Um, and yeah, it was totally different experience. And, you know, um, the artist gym that I trained out of, out of didn't have like a, a, a fully, it wasn't like a nice normal gym, like that's got painted walls and everything. Like this was in uh, the market and the shooting range installation was just like wooden crates and sandbags. And, you know, like yeah. it was pretty, um, pretty bare basics, but it was amazing. There was just one guy there, this grandmaster that just waited for students to turn up. He's like nunchucks, up, like Aikido, karate, boxing would teach whoever turned up a style yeah um and so that's like an experience that you can never have um i could never have planned a holiday like that i only found out those things by living there and yeah. going out and reaching out to my relatives but obviously being raised in england like i didn't have to go through that whole process because i was just raised in england mm -hmm. but i'm from the southwest so i'm a bit of a country girl and like the west country like um they're known for their cider and they like more like, um, yeah, it's just, I don't know how to explain it really. Like it, Cheltenham is where I'm from. Cheltenham town is in Gloucestershire and it's just like a little Southwest town, yeah. um, Southwest of England. Not much is going on there. It's only really famous for like um, the races once a year. So all the I Irish flow in, they have like horse races. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, typical English girl likes scones. <laughs> 
Scones. Like tea. A cup of tea and scones. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. Um, West Country Girl, like my cider when I'm not in fight camp. Oh, I see, yeah. Yeah, I've got an apple I'm showing Dan that my <laughs> that my friend actually tattooed on me, which was pretty it's a cool. Pretty good job, actually. Yeah, it's like an etching. But the story behind this tattoo, um, so before I left England, I was going for all the stuff that I mentioned before, leaving all that stuff behind. And me and my friend made this pact that we were going to like change our lives. Yeah. And she wanted to have her own tattoo studio. And I was like, I'm going to go abroad and become a fighter. And the next time we met up, she had her own tattoo studio and tattooed me. And I had got signed to one championship. So we like, we did it. That's wicked. Yeah. yeah. So um, that was really heartwarming <laughs> to be able to do that. And uh, yeah, go full circle. Yeah. So, I mean, is your family still over there or yep so i've got family in the philippines and in the uk but yeah. all my uh, my my closest family my parents and my sister are in the uk and i never i'm such a family girl i never planned <clears throat> to be away from them this long but i i just i got to a point in my career even where i was like i couldn't go home until i made it like i felt like yeah. i made such a big thing of like becoming a champion that i was like well i'm not gonna come home until i've got the belt that I've become a world champion or got signed to UFC or done what I set out to do. And then 10 years later, it's like, well, now I've lived my whole adult life in Australia and I'm still on the journey. Yeah. And it's like, I wouldn't just call it, like you don't just call it out of the thin air if you're still on the journey. It's like a natural. So um, yeah, what's that saying? Life is what happens when you're making other plans. Like it never, my my whole uh plan to become a champion everything else hasn't happened in the time frame that I wanted to or looked anything like I thought it would yeah. but you know I wouldn't change it for the world you still don't know where you're going to end up yes. if you asked me like a month ago if I'd be fighting a rematch I wouldn't even know I'd be able to tell title, you yeah. yeah yeah it's just life's a journey right and you mm. sort of go with the flow of it rather than fighting it um, you tend to have good things come your way like what's happened I mean, obviously, so you haven't been back with pandemic and things like that, but have you seen them? So has it been that long since you've seen them? So the last trip was actually amazing. So in 2018, I went home and I managed to fight in Ireland and see my best friends get married. So I haven't been home since January 2019. So yeah. definitely due to see them. And um, I'm hoping that I'll have a chance to go home next year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd after a really good year after the after all my losses in MMA and I going to Muay Thai and winning you know um, nationals and grading to purple belt I felt like my life was on a big upswing and then I got this opportunity to fight in Ireland because I was going home anyway and I thought I'd go back for a decent amount of time so I was there back in Europe for two months so I flew back home but I didn't see my family until after the fight because I didn't want to break camp and focus. So yeah. that was so hard after all that time away. I flew to London, stayed with my sister and prepared for this Muay Thai fight in Ireland. Um, some girls that I met in the States were actually in Rome. This is just crazy um, fight life. Yeah. yeah. My friend was sponsored by Monster. Um, and so we got flown to Italy to help her with her camp. So for part of my Dublin camp I did in London and Italy um so it was like a really and I'd come from Australia so it was just an amazing trip where I had these random opportunities came up I went to Ireland um won my fight in Dublin against the hometown 
girl. Oh, wow. Yeah, Bit so that cool. Went down well. <laughs> you were like, let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah, let's not go to the pub after this. Yeah. Well, um, the best thing about that is that my mum's never watched me fight, and my yeah. parents haven't actually because I never fought in the UK. They saw me do one interclub before I left on my travels. Um, my mum actually flew in to watch me, and I was like. I didn't think she'd want to watch it live because she only ever watches my fights when she knows the results and knows I haven't got hurt. Yeah. But it was the first fight my mum watched. And so it was really special. My sister flew in. So I had my sister, mum and dad there for the Ireland fight. And I was just thinking, I think that helped me get the win. I was like, I can't get beat up in front of my mum. No. Like, I'm not going to make her cry. <laughs> like, no way. So yeah, that was so much fun. And then when I went back, I was holding out because I'm just... You always want more as a fighter. You want to push. And I was hoping to get a second match when I was back in Europe. Um, but it didn't happen. It was around January time. And I was like, you know what? I really want to just enjoy the end of my trip. Mm. And my friend had a wedding. And so I watched her get married and then flew back. So it was just, yeah, amazing. Won a fight, went to Rome and saw my friend from school get married. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, it's obviously really cool to be able to go around the world doing something that you love doing. Like, so America, Italy, Philippines, you've been around quite a bit. Yeah. Thailand, yeah. I'm so lucky. Um, but that flexibility and that sacrifice has come at a cost. But, yeah, it's, I wouldn't change it for the world. It's been amazing. And it's been, bless you, <laughs> it's been quite, quite hard to kind of manage, You've, to juggle. Um, cause I've been a self-funded fighter. So I've always yeah. worked multiple jobs as well as fighting. Um, but yeah, somehow made it work over, over time. Um, yeah. And just, yeah, managed to go to really, some really cool places. Uh, the only thing I didn't mention actually is I've did some training in Holland as well. So when I was back in the UK, um, yeah, went to Amsterdam. Yeah. Heavy, great kickboxes, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. It was so much fun. I didn't stay there too long, but I mean, there's so many amazing places I'd love to still go and train at. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll is just that, see what happens. Is that what you were doing there? You were doing kickboxing or were you just... Uh, yeah. 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 So I ended up training at Mike's gym. Yeah. Um, which is a, a famous gym. Yeah. Um, in, I want to say Amsterdam. Yeah. Not but sure, I was yeah. living, I was living in, where were we staying? Um, I'm going to pronounce it wrong, but Eindhoven. <laughs> Um, anyways, yeah. Yeah, so it was I can't correct trip. you because I have yeah. no idea, but I'm yeah, sure someone could. Yeah, some Dutchies that are like, oh, yeah. she's butchering My our ears. name. <laughs> the name, yeah. Anyways, but yeah, so oh, cool. it's been fun. So you, you see, obviously you've got a great camp now that you have on the Gold Coast of John Wayne Parr and his wife and everybody. Do you see yourself staying there, training there constantly? Don't see yourself? There's no need to change a thing that's working for you, right? But yeah. that's where you... That's, yeah. that's your, that's your gym now. A hundred percent. So I've been doing this a really long time and yeah, when you find something that works, you don't leave, but it's more than that. It's to do with con obviously consistency, but also loyalty. So, um, you know, uh, the people you train with and you spend your time with become family. And like, we really do see each other at the high and lows of life all the time. So like training twice a day, if you look at it as a job, then you could consider them colleagues, but they're not. It's so much more than that. Like yeah. it's such a lifestyle that we see each other twice a day for training on the weekend. Someone's always fighting. So you're always seeing each other for fights. Um, it's just, you can't escape each other and we're really close and yeah. you wouldn't be able to spend that much time with people if you didn't have love and appreciation for them. But I just have no need to go anywhere else. I've, I actually got, 
offered a partial sponsorship to a gym in Thailand. And I had thought originally, this was maybe about a year ago, like, do I go to Thailand? Because mm. this is when I was trying to build up my Muay Thai, but I, I have everything I need here. If I go to Muay Thai, go to a, a gym in, in Thailand, you're just another number in the gym and you're yeah. building those relationships with trainers and training partners all over again. And, um, you know, I wouldn't do that when I have that on my doorstep. Yeah. And what's amazing about Boonshu now is that they have opened up um, BJJ classes and MMA classes. So there used to be a pure Muay Thai gym and Wayne has really good boxing and Angie's boxed as well. So they obviously offered that as well. But now they have um, MMA coach, um, coaching, sorry. And also um, Daniel Almeida, who's a very highly ranked competitor in Brazilian black belt. So in terms of like even making a comeback for MMA, like I can do that at Boonshu. I don't have to go anywhere yeah. else. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, I've got, there's a good girl squad. Yeah. That you you have down there to yeah. Yeah, train against. Yeah. 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 That's great. Well, that's wicked. I, I look forward to You have to, to come and visit yeah, and do some yeah, training. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. yeah. It's because you've done, um, like, obviously, that's MMA. Is it the XFC that you've done down there? or So XFC was the show I was on in May. <laughs> I'm getting punchy, like, all the months. So, like, I have to think <laughs> about that one. I was like, my <laughs> um, Yeah, so that, that was an MMA card. But yeah. it was really cool that they wanted to showcase Muay Thai. And my friend Ali fought on that card. And me and Erin were the headliner. Um, super tough fight. Um I lost that one, but that's okay. It was a really, really good fight. Um, and yeah, the next fight after that was the um, was the boxing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, XFC, um, there's so many good promotions on, on the coast. Yeah. There's lots of opportunities to go into MMA. Um, yeah. Yeah, because I've watched, I've gone down there once before uh, to watch a mate of mine was fighting in the XFC. Yeah. Um, uh, was it? Eternal? Uh, I'm not sure. Now I'm blanking on his name. Anthony uh, McDaniel. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, uh, Yeah, no. I'm not too sure. Yeah. yeah. I think he, he lost when I was down there. I think, um, what else was that? Oh, yeah, they had the, because uh, I was in the Thor Ragnarok movie, like, you know, just extra whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. But um, they're having the after party down there that night as well. So, yeah. like, yeah, it was pretty sweet. Like, yeah, I, I had That's... a drink with uh, Tessa Thompson. Like, she's in the one of the leads in the movie. Oh, so yeah. So, what's um, what was your part? Just oh, no, I was just an Asgardian in the way in the background. That's but pretty cool. It, it was one of the first um, bigger ones that I did down there. It was an absolutely amazing experience. Like, probably, like, three and a half months probably on set, I think, is like which was really cool to see the, the guys, like, like, yeah, you know, Chris Hemsworth and Idris Elba and Taika Waititi, all those. Did you see them on set? Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. That's yeah. So no, good. it was amazing to watch. Like, it was just it, what what really showed us and why the movie was so fun and great to see was um because Taika Waititi is like a real fun loving guy and jokes around like quite a comedian yeah. and like it just seemed to gel so well with Chris and Tessa and they were just like the flow of everything was just yeah they were having fun and having a good time and that's why I think that movie was so successful as well that kind of rejuvenated the Thor like uh, mm. universe or, you know, the Thor uh, movies franchise because I think they were already in the – they'd done maybe two or three at that point. So it was kind of like – yeah, it was just wicked. I mean, obviously, and Taika Waititi's doing so well since then. He's getting all these movies. So yeah, that's great. But, yeah, it was it's wicked. That's the best part about going on those sets other than awesome people that you're working mm. with and cool costumes and you get to see how it all happens, you know, yeah. with, the, with the big uh, movies with the big budget. But, um, yeah, getting to see those guys work is, is the best, best yeah. thing. And, like, Jeff Goldblum, I remember for a full day, I was, like, watching him improv, improvise the whole time, like, or just 
yeah. this whole Taking scene. Notes. Yeah, it was just wicked to see him work like that and just, yeah, mm. the way he was working with the director as well and the other actors in there, it was just, you learn a lot from it if you're, mm. you know, if you're attentive and you watch. So, yeah. yeah, as I'm sure it's like watching fighters as well and things like that, you pick up little things here and there. Yeah, well, even going, well, thinking about what I've seen on set, like um, when I was lucky enough to be, you know, doing extra work and stuff for Young Rock, when I was watching the fight scenes, it was amazing to see like the stunt choreographer, like directing the actors and they'd redo it. And then, you know, the way they joke with each other in between, yeah. like uh, in season one, they had the Royal Rumble. So they had the big showcase where they had like all the old wrestling greats, like Andre the Giant, yeah. um, Ric Flair, like the Wild Samoans. And it was so cool seeing how, because obviously for me fighting and then you've got like stage combat it was interesting to see how they trans trans how it transfers or like yeah. you know the angles they shoot and like the tricks they use i was yeah. like yeah i was keeping an eye on that that was that yeah, was interesting to it's see it's a lot how different shoot. isn't it though like with yeah. more wild swinging punches to get the angles yeah. right on the screen for it to look like it's hitting but it doesn't and yeah just the way they sort of do it it, it would be um it'd be interesting from a fighter's perspective seeing that yeah i it's it's funny because I'd love well like we said before um, the the podcast like stunts is something I would love to go into mm. and I hadn't sort of thought about you know how it trans translates um, like onto into stage but I was speaking to a stunt guy and he was saying you know there's all these different areas like vehicles fire yeah. animals there's five right body combat and then what's the other one. Uh, there'd be like heights, wouldn't there be as well? Yeah, yeah. Rig rigging or yeah. whatever well, they were calling. Yeah, yeah, it's a huge part of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it just it just sounds like a, like really fun Pandora's box, like yeah. of stuff to go into. Well, especially someone with your background, you know, and and obviously being very um active and fit and wanting to you know be competitive and say, all those sort of things. Yeah, I was gonna say globe for punishment is the wrong thing. Let's just say go let's go with durable. Yeah, durable works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a good thing to have as a fighter, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and but, I started riding a motorbike as well. So that would kind of work into vehicles. But then yeah. I actually spoke to a stunt guy and he's like, well, every time you're practicing stunts, you've got to wreck the vehicle. So it's really expensive to get into. So you're like going to wreck a car, like practicing. Yeah, you know, I things. don't know how they go about that. Like, especially in films, like where they use those, you know, like an Aston in a Bond film, like how many like cars they actually go through or a Fast yeah. and Furious movie more like. Yeah. Like all those things. You wonder how much like a lot of it's CGI as well, but I guess it's pretty hard to, fake make and let it look real like of those things crashing and everything like that so yeah they probably do wreck a lot of them i guess you'd probably rather than show somebody you'd hire a driver to do yeah generally the, the, yeah those stunts yeah and then you'd have to you'd have to recreate the crash unless it was cgi yeah. whether or not you'd have someone in there or not i don't know yeah it's amazing what they can do but it's yeah. obviously with cgi it's a lot easier these these i mean back in the day they probably did wreck a lot of cars or they didn't have the budgets too so they probably kept using i think i remember some robert de niro film i can't remember who it was it might have been the director on rogan and he was talking about how they um because they didn't have a huge budget back then with the cars so they'd be and they'd have panel beaters on set and they would like work in the night to panel oh, beat these yeah. cars and there might have been one or two cars that they could use for the whole entire shoot and these yeah. cars were getting absolutely wrecked and getting fixed up all the time that's crazy yeah when you think about it like that but yeah i think um the cars are definitely something people i think they specialize in certain areas as well mm. so they will obviously get brought onto the film so are known for being good in certain areas so but yeah the the pay for a stunty is uh pretty awesome 
are seeing like some of them. Oh, how. it's ridiculous. Like, well, it's not because they're putting their body on the line. They've, you know, they've they've trained for this for many years, you know, and mm. hurt themselves as well. Um, I'm sure the insurances are pretty damn high for that sort of thing. But mm. yeah, they um yeah, they definitely get paid very well. I know that much. Like when been on set for them, uh, when we were on Aquaman. Mm. Um, so I was in a scene like playing a Russian submariner. We get killed straight away <laughs> in the scene. Um, I like love it, the randomness of like acting. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just, it just, you know, as you do, but yeah, yeah go yeah, on. Yeah, 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 as a Russian and I'm a Kiwi. But um, yeah. yeah, so like he, we're in one of the main, like the opening scene, sort of mm. opening fight scene of the film where the guy comes in and he like kills everyone in the fight cockpit where we are. So we're playing dead the whole yeah. time. But we were on that uh, for several weeks of just in that scene of Jason Marmol was in there. It's like his opening scene where he's like killing all the, well, beating up all the pirates and these sub submariner pirates, kind yeah. of whatever you want to call it. Um, but they were all stunties. And so they rig, they got rigs going everywhere and they're getting flown across the screen, uh, the, like the rooms into us, like into the chairs. Like there's a lot of yeah. interesting uh, moments when we were doing it, but um, yeah, just some of the cr- the punishment that they were getting thrown against doors. Like one of the guys gets his head slammed into the periscope thing. Like it's, oh it's pretty gosh. crazy. Yeah. Um, but getting to see them work and what they were doing and how that all works. And like, it's, it's crazy how realistic it is. And I mean, like just, they would take out the panels of some of the, the submarine panels of the cockpit. Like so they can and, go and, through them. Oh yeah. Bring in the dented ones, you know, for oh. the scene, like just replace whole pieces. Like mm. it's crazy how it all happens. But yeah, he's like, he's fucking up like 12 different pirates. I think of that whole scene and just yeah. crazy things that just wicked to see, but you see that, yeah, that fun nature on set. Like you see like, obviously why well, I'd say yeah. Jason Momo is a very liked guy on set. Cause yeah. he's just so chill with everybody. Mm. Like he was in there just like rapping like this ASAP uh, Ferg song, like uh, in between yeah. takes and they're all like joining in and stuff. It, yeah. was pre- it was pretty cool to see, Yeah, but yeah, such a nice guy. And like, um, yeah, it's just wicked to see the behind mm. the scenes of how they are, you know, cause you, you never know like yeah. what, they, what they're really like but you definitely see the ones that just keep to themselves and just mm. fall stale faced and like they'll go off to their trailer like in a heartbeat as soon as I've stopped filming come back you know all the time and yeah you see the ones that I, I mean you hear stories of people that are nightmare to, nightmare to work with on set and things like that but you, I'm sure some of the stars are like that but then again they're under so much pressure to carry these big budget mm. movies as well and you want to stay everybody's so different with how they approach mm. acting or approach anything in life right like some people are just in the moment and just do whatever and just can yeah. roll like that but some people need to be you know in in their in themselves mm. you know grounded and the way they approach it they don't really want to be messed with by everyone there's so many moving parts when you're on set of people running around changing things mm. and makeup and set decoration and all that sort of thing so it's quite chaotic yeah. yeah i haven't seen any divas on the young rock cast they were all awesome like all the wrestlers they're having a joke with um you know the extras and the the team on the ground and everything and yeah they just seem like a lot of fun like the wild samoans were hilarious yeah um, yeah, it was just, and then, um, obviously the rocks played by three different people yeah. like throughout his, um, his, the ages and, um, his dad, uh, I can't remember the name of the actor, but he was awesome. He's always like, so jovial, was like always cracking jokes and like, yeah, just like, you know, cause some of the, the scenes are so demanding. So like taking these, re- doing these wrestling scenes over and over, but it was like always in a good mood about it. And, yeah. you know, like you get up, like fake a bad back and stuff. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's good crack. 
yeah, yeah, Samoans and or Islanders in general are always pretty fun loving. Yeah. Like most people, like, yeah, I know a lot of guys from back home and stuff like that and they're, they're always cool, great to hang around with, like always a good laugh. Yeah. They're so intimidating, obviously, too. They're huge guys, but they're the, the most fun loving, really. Mm. I suppose you just don't want to piss them off, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it'd be cool. I mean, I guess like wrestling in general, obviously, it's um, I think we're not cracking any secrets here, but it's mm. like orchestrated and it's um kind of choreographed you know in general as well so i'm sure that really translates well getting stunt guys to do all that sort of thing and were they actually wrestlers or were they actors or stunt guys like most of the time they were some of them were wrestlers um but most of them were actors that were being um instructed by the the um stunt stunt choreographer who is an ex-wrestler yeah yeah so that was cool to watch yeah that is really cool yeah. um but yeah they would kill you for saying it was orchestrated yeah you I didn't know. say that's the f word i've just, but yeah, just okay. been quiet about it but sort of. real wrestling um and also the wwe style wrestling um they're both you have to be insane athletes for both of oh, them so demanding yeah but the um yeah but it's just, it is, it's interesting how that's become a thing when they talk about the F word because like they feel. Well, once again, it's an not, art form though, isn't it? Yeah. You know, like it's a self-expression art form. So yeah, I, I mean, I shouldn't really call it that, but um, yeah, it's like. <laughs> I, I enjoy watching. I mean, I yeah. was never a WWE fan. I remember watching it as a kid a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But I have so much respect for wrestlers in general mm. and I've trained in America and anyone that's wrestled in high school is just a weapon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's probably the hardest part of my training camp in America is training wrestling. with the wrestlers. Yeah. And there's no way that that stuff is fake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, not the actual wrestling. Yeah, I only meant like the WWE mm. style of wrestling and oh, stuff. But yeah. but, yeah, like I say, I mean, so is acting, you know. You're like kind of faking it, but you're in the moment with things as mm. well, you know. So like the best, the best feeling that I can personally speak from in my experience of acting is when you're in the moment and you don't even really know what you're doing. You're just doing a thing like with someone in front of you and you're feeding off each other and like, you're just totally in the moment and you're just like, well, we created like we're faking something, but it's a real moment, you know, within all that. And it's just mm. capturing that on cameras is, is some of the best scenes you'll see. But, um, yeah, it's not, it, I, yeah. I remember watching it when I was younger. I didn't know that it was obviously, a put on show, you know, back then, yeah. but like guys like Ray Mysterio Jr. and like, I don't know, remember Hulk Hogan and all those guys back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. I didn't follow it then, but um, yeah, now um, I don't know. It's, it's definitely more an American thing that's kind of yeah, yeah, been yeah. adopted by Australia and England now. Like, yeah. yeah. It doesn't a lot of things though, right? It starts out in America and then the world sort of takes it on. The weirdest um, thing that I saw England adopt was cheerleading. So one of my cousins okay, was like, yeah. oh, she's a cheerleader. When she was at school, she was a cheerleader. I was like, what? Like, I didn't realize that was such a thing. But yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a professional thing over in America. That's for sure. So yeah. Even here, I think now a lot of people. they've got mega cheer. They've got comps all the time. Yeah. Like, it's huge here. Yeah, I think they have it on ESPN a lot and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen it on ESPN. But um, the other job that I do, I work in a kid's gym. And so it's seven months to 13 years. And we have cheer on our schedule as well. Okay. So it's called My First Gym. And there's everything from like ninja parkour, gymnastics, everything. But um, that's how I got introduced to it because I was like, oh, there's like actual like full schools, like a pure yeah. gymnastics school. There's cheer schools. So 
Yeah. So do you get into it? You get the pom-poms out? Uh, I don't. (laughs) There's coaches that do that. Okay. I did. um, You pack them up when no one's looking? Yeah, just just on my lunch break. Yeah. Yeah. No, we've got capoeira and we've got uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but we haven't brought any other martial arts in yet. But if they ever did boxing or, you know, got bags i'd do muay thai or boxing for sure yeah get some little ninjas going so is that what you do you go i on don't those areas i manage from? i help manage it so i'm oh, assistant okay. manager yeah. but um we have coaches and we've thought about bringing it in it might still come in but yeah we've definitely got really good capoeira and brazilian jiu-jitsu but we haven't got we haven't put the boxing in yet so yeah we'll see <laughs> what, say, what ages did you say seven months yeah to 13 I years that's what you said so up into five years there's a flow from like baby sensory to what you know age-appropriate classes when they're working on their development milestones to more specialist classes like gymnastics and dance and things like that yeah but it's really all the way through so it's crazy i wish there was something like that when i was yeah. a kid because i did a lot of sports as a kid um I was doing a sport every day of the week um, and I started karate at eight, but I was doing gymnastics and swimming and everything. But to have it all in one place, yeah, that's new. Yeah, it's one thing that I think um, Australia does really well at um, looking from the outside and especially when I lived in New Zealand as well. Like they always have like, there's a lot of good funding here and a lot of good schools. Like you see why they have great athletes and they do well on like the world stage with Olympics and things like that is yeah. because they seem to have it very well not drilled in, but um, they have the training academies for all these sorts of things and, yeah. and a correct, a good amount of funding to get like these things up and running and these athletes like into these different sports and, and finding their way at an earlier age, which is obviously a lot better when you can train early and bring it on later with um, the fundamentals and everything. But yeah, it's one thing that I just really noticed like a lot of difference um, in sports. Yeah. yeah. For, from New Zealand to Australia. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure England's they probably the have things like that in England, right. As well. No, well, I was going to say, obviously they, every, every country has their own, um, favorite sports and, yeah. you know, focus on sports and everyone does more sports when they're a kid, yeah. unless they have it as part of their upbringing and then invest when they're older too. But what I loved about Australia is nippers and like, you know, the surf lifesaving and the culture, the sporting yeah. culture, like because of the weather and because of, the Australian culture is so much easier, it seems, to get into, um, uh, to be athletic from an early age um, and to, you get so much more um, opportunities to do sort of group sports. It's not as big as America because there's so much sponsorship and, Mm. you know, funding for things. But in terms of like Australians, um, you know, I went to the AIS for instance, the Australian Institute of Sport when I was in Sydney and it was, we used to play this fun game where like you try and guess where the people, what teams they were from. So you see some like really tall kids and you'd be like, oh, basketball players. You see some, um, you know, like really strong looking women (laughs) and you'd be like, oh, swimmers, you know, like, and and I was there for wrestling and it's so cool that they have like, yeah, like you're saying, amazing programs to get them ready for the world stage. But yeah, just as an outsider looking in, I think nippers and the whole, because we don't have, crazy like ocean currents and things in the uk like the closest beach to me was a pebble beach and it was cold no one really wanted to go to it so um yeah just the whole uh the culture around it yeah and just how in tune like aussies are with the surf and the the ocean i think that's really cool yeah it's a wonderful thing to have right on your back doorstep that's for sure yeah and i'm not i'm not very um i'm not very savvy (laughs) 
I'm not very um, competent in the water. Yeah. Like I've tried, I thought that I'd pick up uh, surfing pretty well because I used to skate a bit and, you know, I, I wasn't too bad at it, um, but I found it so hard. Yeah. Like I went out with my friend, we just went straight out the back and she'd be catching waves back in and I was just sat out the back the whole time, couldn't catch anything. So because of my shoulder too, it's not something that I'm... Trying to boost yourself up on the board, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of leaving it until uh, the moment... I'm, I'm just doing what I need to for my fight camps, trying to do anything extra. Yeah, yeah. So surfing, I've put on the back burner and also aerial silks. So at the kids' gym, <laughs> I don't go for the pom-poms, but we do have aerial silks. And because of stunts and things, I <clears throat> before my shoulder injury was actually, um, I had a gymnastics coach and I was practicing salts and um, aerial silks yeah. or like sort of novice level, um, but I was really liking it. And what was funny was, when I was on the silks, I could do leg tricks. I could do like the splits and things like that, but I couldn't do like pretty arabesque with my shoulder. I was like, oh, they must be just really tight. I can't seem to do, yeah. can't seem to do these things and make it look pretty like the ballet um, dancers and the gymnasts, um, but it's because of my shoulder. So yeah. it was never stable enough for me to hold on and get into those positions. So it's funny how your body just adapts around it. Cause I was just like, oh, I'm just really tight. It's like, no, there's a full on tear in there. That's why you can't do that stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, do you feel it in training? Like, is it something that, I mean, yeah, you didn't want me to touch on this too much before. Yeah. Let, let, let's, a, let's pass on that. Yeah. There's certain things that, that I will avoid yeah. to not have it flare up. Yeah. And I'm getting good at knowing what those things are. Um, so I know that I'm safe for Muay Thai and boxing, yeah. but MMA will be a bit of a journey back when I decide to, if yeah. I decide to go back. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What, what, what is the main part of um, your training re like re regime for, for boxing then now that you've taken over and that's sort of the thing you're doing? I guess it's skills development really because it's also new. So I know how to fight. I know to, that I'm fit. Um, I mentioned before that I hired a sports scientist that's looking yeah. at my strength for my demands, sport demands. Um, so in the gym, when I'm working with my coaches, um, we're trying to work on my um, like footwork, um, my stance. So I look like a boxer, my head movement, the game plan. Um, so it's all technique based. That doesn't mean that I'm just doing technique and going through the motions. I'm doing some really hard sparring. And I think I'm sparring more now than I have done for, for Muay Thai because for Muay Thai, we do, I feel comfortable. So like if we're in the gym, well, I'm in the gym Monday to Saturday. And quite often I still go for a run on Sunday just because it's my lifestyle. I like to do something active. Yeah. But Monday to Saturday, in the evenings, we might do some rounds, light sparring. And on Saturdays, our big sparring day. Um, but it's pretty like, you know, easygoing, like very controlled because we're all from the same team and you don't want to fuck up your partner yeah. because they need to train, you need to train the next day. But for boxing, because it's for a belt, and uh, because I'm really trying to get better, I've actually got a girl coming to spar me on Mondays. I go to Brisbane in the week to spar with a world champion, um, April, who's been such an amazing um, help. Uh, her and her partner, Ben Ten, who's also a fighter. Me, Angie and Jazzy recently have been going up to Brisbane to train with her um, and just, yeah, her insight and her, you know, help um, has been really, really good. Um, and then me and Jazzy uh, go at it pretty hard as well. So I would say I'm sparring a lot more than I would do. Like when I went to America, we would have small glove sparring, which was 
MMA, which was meant to be more focused on grappling. We'd have big glove sparring, which was more focused on striking because you had the bigger gloves. It wasn't meant to be as heavy. And then you'd have live wrestling rounds. So you had three different types of sparring, live situations. Um, And I guess the boxing that I'm doing now um, with the, the amount of sparring I'm doing is most similar to that intense training in America. So I would say I'd be really well prepared for for this fight. Yeah. Um, to the point that like it's stressful, like very stressful. Like I'm not afraid. I've talked about <laughs> you know the therapy and things that I would yeah. go through earlier, but a lot of the time it's it's not for athletes. You know, worried about getting hurt. It's about performance, and it's always about performance anxiety. And you probably um, you know with your guests and everything and people you've met in acting spoken about it as well before about that anxiety. Mm. And so that's something that I'm trying to manage. And the more you're exposed to something, um, the easier it gets. So the more hard sparring rounds I get, the more situations I'm put in um, where I feel pressured and challenged is only going to help me, you know, in the actual fight. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's an interesting thing that you hear some of the fighters and stuff talk about now in the UFC and like guys like Max Holloway and that, how they don't even spar anymore. I think when they've had, you think about how many wars Max had. Yeah, yeah. Wars, yeah, like... When you get to a point where you've had that many wars and you don't want to take damage, I can kind of see it. Yeah. And also they fight so regularly that like, I mean, I still think you need to move around with people. I don't know what their no sparring counts as. If they're doing like partner drills or like one for one, they might still, they must still be doing contact, obviously. Um, But in terms of hard sparring, I can see why they wouldn't when they've had that many wars. I mean, just looking at his last fight, do you need to ever take that kind of damage ever again? <laughs> like, yeah, and what he did to Calvin Cater in the fight before. It's just, He's yeah. He's had two real wars. Like he, uh, I, I love Max Holloway's one of my favorite fighters, him and Izzy. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, just, yeah, I mean, hopefully he's fighting Volkanovski. I think he won that last fight anyway, to be fair. But, anyway, I like Volkanovski as well, obviously. But, um, yeah, mm-hmm. should be an interesting third fight anyway. Hopefully that's, that'll be made. Yeah, fingers yeah. crossed. Yeah. Yeah, well, it must have been a bit of an adjustment going to the bigger gloves from using MMA gloves before as well and, and Muay as well. Um, because what, what are the ounce gloves that women fight with? Is it the same it's, it's as for males? Pro, for, yeah, so for pro, um, when I have a Muay Thai pro fight, it's eight ounce. I'm pretty sure it's the same for guys. Mm. Like it's just professional, like yeah. eight ounce, eight ounce gloves. Yeah, okay. Um, I didn't really notice the difference like – I haven't fought small gloves Muay Thai yet. Um, so I haven't fought in the small gloves for a while. Okay. Um, but I like fighting Muay Thai and boxing in eight ounce. That feels nice because when I'm training in the gym, my favorite um, gloves to hit in because you feel fast and they're like close to your knuckles. They're nice and tight at eight ounce. But when you're hitting hard, it hurts your hands. So you need, yeah. to, be, you need to be hitting in like 10s or 12s at least. Otherwise, you'll hurt your hands no matter how hard you wrap. Yeah. Unless I hit just really hard. <laughs> <laughs> the power's coming on. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's funny. As I say that, I can hear my trainer meowing at me. So, like, quite often my trainer will make a cat noise if it's weak, like, meow, <laughs> like <laughs> I'm being awesome. a pussy. Yeah. And then, um, or, or he'll vomit. He'll be like, what was that? What? So, yeah, yeah it's just encouragement. Try Keep better. Honest, be, yeah. be better. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Well, I've loved hearing your story and your journey so far, and I, I look forward to hopefully I'll be able to see that fight 10th yeah, of December. Definitely. Right. Check I'll it keep out, guys. Posted. It's going to be on pay per view, I'm assuming, and hopefully your fighters too. 
Yeah, well, it'll be on the Gallon card. If it's yeah. on the undercard, it might not be on pay-per-view, but yeah, it'll be December 10th um, and it'll be on Fox Fork? Fox Sports or KO? Fox Sports? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, KO Fox Sports, yeah. yeah. I've definitely got that. So, yeah, I should be able to find it. But usually I think they show some of the undercards, but maybe not the whole card, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, but it's awesome to be on that pay-per-view. Nevertheless, like on the card fighting with yeah. that, yeah, it's, it's yeah. amazing. And um, I'll definitely let me know when you got a fight down yeah. the Gold Coast or somewhere up here, wherever. And, um, yeah, I'd love to come down and watch, yeah. Okay, sweet. Yeah. Yeah. All right, thanks for having me on. And, yeah, hopefully we won't do any more awkward auditions together. Yeah, well, yeah, hopefully there'll be better ones next time if we get paired <laughs> yeah. up. Yeah. Although there's not many of them in person anymore at no, the moment. So or self-tapes. I, 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 I like the in-person ones, to be fair. Uh, self-tapes are great, but I like to... I like doing the in-person ones. Yeah, they're they're all just really random. Yeah. I love it when they just throw, like you said, curveballs at you yeah. and they give you something really random to do, which was not what you planned for. And it's like, they're just testing you to see if you'll play. Yeah, like, if you can ad-lib, yeah. 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 I mean, improvising is some of my most enjoyable parts of acting uh, a lot of the times too. I know you don't always get to do it, but you do mm. when you play in classes and things like that. But yeah, it's fun because you can show off your personality a little more as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Awesome. Mm. Well, thanks for coming on, Nat. All right. Thank you. Yeah. I'll speak to you soon. Yeah. <laughs> right, guys. It's us. We're out. Woo. There you go. How awesome is Nat? She's a tenacious competitor, and we wish her all the best for her Australasian title fight. She's had some great stories there, and I uh, hope you guys really enjoyed it. I absolutely loved having her on the podcast, and uh, I'm sure she'll be back at some point, maybe to uh, – share her victorious news of uh, winning the title. Let's hope. Thanks a lot for listening, everyone. I really appreciate it. Love the support that you guys show the podcast. And um, yeah, I hope you guys are doing well. It's coming up on the holiday season. Look after yourself. Look after your loved ones. Keep going for what you're striving for in life. And uh, we can all do it together. Guys, share this with your friends. Like, subscribe, view, anything you can do. Appreciate it, as always. Stay safe, keep grinding, we can do this. Until next time.